We would like to remind you that Wednesday at 9 p.m. here on Pantheon, we'll be presenting part one of The Green Inferno, the dramatic film testimony of an extraordinary adventure that took its protagonists all the way back to the Stone Age. Once again, to uh, Won't Stay Dead, this is episode four now, um, and uh, this week uh, we are looking at Rogero Deodato's uh, unbelievably horrendous <laughs> uh, cannibal holocaust, um, because uh, the um, it's the uh, 20th, no, what is it, 30th anniversary, I think, of the implementation of the Video Recordings Act, um, which was kind of brought about following the video nasty hysteria, so as a result of that, uh, we thought we'd pick... Um, one of the most uh, infamous and famous and notorious of the uh, video nasty titles, um, but yeah. So uh, start off by introducing the panel. It's me and Todd, and with me is Mr. Paul Doran. Hello. And Mr. David Hanna. Hello. Cool. Um, and yeah, I was actually kind of thinking uh, on, on the way up the road, and um, we've had kind of lots of sunshine and hail and kind of um, uh, kind of extreme weather and lots of kind of moisture, so it's it almost is a bit like the uh, Amazonian rainforest, doesn't it? It is. It is. Yeah, I've sure. got a, something burrowing into my arm. <laughs> some horrible insects over. <laughs> uh, like just like the Amazon. <laughs> um, so yeah, the podcast gods must have been smiling down on us. Yeah. The Godcasts. The Godcasts. I was attacked by some savage in a car <clears throat> with a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you got soaked in the way over. <laughs> Um, yeah, cool. So, I think... Oh yeah, I was going to say, um, we're on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes and Facebook and Twitter, but uh, all the information is on our blog, which is uh, won'tstaydead.wordpress.org. No, dot .com, sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think at the start we'll go through the beers and see what everyone managed to pick this week. Uh, I think last week... Who went first last week? I can't remember. I can't remember. But uh, it doesn't matter. D, sure, you go first. Uh, okay, uh, let's see. I have... Well, I went for Brahma, because it's quite obvious choice, because it's from Brazil. Um, yeah, so not much thinking went into it. Um, <laughs> it's been heavily advertised at the World Cup as well, that stuff, so it must be, like, the massive beer over there, I guess. I, 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 once, so I once read or heard that it's the biggest selling beer in the world. Brahma, uh, is it? Mm-hmm. So it's it must be like South American as well, yeah, then, it, I guess, it, like in general. But it is Brazilian, but yeah. But like yeah, watching the World Cup anyway, everybody has like you know they obviously sell it in the stadium because yeah. everyone has like Brahma cups, which they must sell in yeah. there. But uh, next one, why did I go for this one? Oh yeah, this is that's really stupid reason. It's called London Sour, and because Cannibal Holocaust leaves a sour taste in your mouth. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, <clears throat> I got a Peroni Grand Reserva because it's an Italian film. <laughs> so, uh, and I didn't want to get normal Peroni. Because uh, that <laughs> stuff's pretty good. I think that's me. Oh, wait, no, I've got one more. One, two more. I got Farmageddon Smash. It's purely for the reason that there's a boar on the front and, mm, a, yeah, and a pig gets yeah. killed. It's very loose. But that'll do. 
That is a good one, actually. And I went for San Miguel because that's Spanish. This big bit of Spanish in it, and it was in the fridge at home. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, Paul, what'd you get? What'd you well, mean? I uh, went on a South American route as well, but not. Uh, I didn't go Brazilian. I should have done. But uh, I went for Argentina's uh, Quimes, which is uh, it's quite tasty, but uh, not really connected to the film in any way. That's, that's also been advertised in the World Cup. Yeah. I think ah, seen which that. is in Brazil, so there we go. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I also got Kinnegar's Devil's Backbone, because I'm pretty sure I've heard someone refer to the Amazon as the Devil's Backbone before. Oh, that's cool. Um, okay. Maybe not, but uh, I'm referring to it like that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that makes, that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> I also got some Sleeman Honey Brown Lager, which I have racked my brains trying to connect to the film, but uh, it was just on offer. It was cheap. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's Canadian, and I can't think of any way to connect it. Um, <laughs> and Green King IPA, which did have some thought <laughs> go into it, because uh, I thought in Cannibal Holocaust, they eat people, and Soylent Green. Uh, Soylent Green. They yeah, also eat people yeah. and green. So yeah, I was thinking green inferno. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, uh, green inferno as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, yeah, green inferno. Amazon green. Uh, although green here is spelt with an e at the end, so that sort of uh, yeah <laughs> detracts from all of that. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's uh, <clears throat> yeah. When like when I saw you, you had that, I, I was like, oh, obviously green inferno. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> that, I I meant to remember that. So. <laughs> Uh, well, um, I've got um, some Brooklyn Lager because uh, Professor Munro is based in New York. Um, in, in fact, I, I've, I've kind of just basically covered the three continents. Um, uh, so I've got uh, Brooklyn Lager for uh, New York. Same as Dave, I've got the um, Peroni uh, Doppio Malto uh, because Rosario Daudato is uh, Italian. And bits were filmed in Milan, I think, and premiered in Milan. Uh, Brooklyn is another Brooklyn lager. And <laughs> this is a big one. Uh, this is uh, pronounced Cuscania, and it's uh, Peruvian. Yeah, so it's the cool. it's the the um, yeah Latin America basically. Um, yeah, I couldn't find any Colombian beer. Yeah. Do yeah. we get do we get Colombian beer over over here? Is, can you think of any famous Colombian beers? No. No. Not off the no. Top of my head. But I was kind of thinking it was funny. It was another tenuous link to the World Cup. It was filmed on the Colombian Brazil border, wasn't it? And they were both playing last night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pretty it's cool. A nice way coincidence. <laughs> they must have known that. They, oh, yeah. Like the, the, they must have known we were doing the podcast. That's, that's it. it. That's all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's good. To to thank Seth Blatter. <laughs> for being a prick. <laughs> um, I was—I actually wanted to say at the start of the show. Um, I, I thought of something um, that happened during the last show. In the last show, um, Paul, you were talking about Lair of the White Worm, mm-hmm. and I asked you, "Is it—is uh, it similar in tone to uh, American Woolworth in London?" And then at the very, very end of the show, we were saying um, we were kind of raising a glass to Rick Mail. And I said, was Rick Meal ever in a horror film? And we said no. But Rick Meal was in American Werewolf in London. Yeah. Was he? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. He's one of the um he's one of the people drinking in the in the pub at the start ah, of the really film. Okay. Yeah. 
and whenever they notice the or whenever they notice the five pointed star, the the Americans and they kind of joke, oh maybe the owners are from Texas, mm-hmm. and then one of them says, remember the Alamo, and then the guy tells this the story of the the joke about so remember the Alamo, yeah, and then when they're all laughing at the punchline, Rick Mail says, remember the Alamo, that's his one, ah, that's his one cool. one. There you go. What what year is American Werewolf in London? Don't know. It was after Young Ones, wasn't it? I've got IMDb open here, so <clears throat> yeah. well we'll find out. Um, while Ian's finding out. Um, we should uh, maybe uh, 1981 1981 okay that's good because I couldn't think what we were maybe going to do <laughs> 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 you so, put me on the spot there's, a, <clears throat> but there's another connection as well with Rick Mail and horror films but it's very loose because uh, I kind of found this out while uh, we were doing the Cannibal Holocaust stuff because I looked up um, the Video Recordings Act thing and just as a sort of a side note uh it, there's references to it in the young ones. I think there was an episode about video nasties. Yeah, uh, was it? So there must have been, well, fans to a degree. Yeah, well, that was yeah. that was a, that was a, that was the big kind of news story at the time. Um, and the video that they're holding, I can't remember what 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 they say it's called. It's like, it's like sex with the yeah treadle or something. <laughs> something <laughs> so, ridiculous. Something but stupid like that. The, yeah. the video I think is uh, Nightmare Maker, which was a which was a video nasty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I suppose um, it's kind of worth talking about the video nasties at the start of the show. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, or for you know, it might just be kind of um, uh, people who lived in the UK of a certain generation. I mean, it, it was it was before even really our time. Uh, the video nasty um, uh, debacle. But uh, essentially, what happened was um, in nineteen eighty, kind of nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty, uh, VHS won the battle um, over Betamax and became the new kind of format. And it was um, for the for the first time, you know, you can kind of imagine like. Uh, before then, if anyone wanted to see a film, you had to either wait until your cinema was showing it, or um, wait until it was on TV. Um, and then all of a sudden, videos kind of come in, and all of a sudden you can kind of buy uh, a video or rent a video, take it home, watch it in the comfort of your own home. And not only that, you can pause it to go to the toilet. You can rewind back. So it was obviously it was a big um, deal for people. And considering um, you know we had like the Falklands War going on, the minor strikes. Um, recession. I mean, this, it was kind of the era of Thatcher. Uh, it was kind of like a, a quite an easy and lucrative business for people who kind of find themselves suddenly unemployed. Um, because I mean, all you have to do is you know buy the videos um, and then rent them out. You know, it doesn't doesn't take a brain surgeon. But at the, at the very start, um, both kind of governments and major film film distribu- distributors and major studios didn't really pay attention to it because they kind of viewed it as a threat to their industry. Rather than you know thinking, all oh, right, this new format we can use, they kind of saw it as a threat. So it was only really um, uh, kind of newly sprung up independent labels, and they would focus on kind of foreign language programming, children's programs, and kind of low budget, uh, cheap horror films from uh, mostly uh, Italy and Spain and America. But um, tabloids kind of picked up on on the violence, and it was mostly because of the, the kind of adverts. Um, I've got the, the Cannibal Holocaust DVD here in front of me, and it, um, that was one of the uh, original video covers. It's just a uh, kind of tribesmen munching on a, some guts um, and so basically uh, without really having seen much of the film um, people like Mary Whitehouse kind of Christian conservative lobbyists and NSPCC and Tories and tabloids just basically said the video nasties video horror is the worst thing to happen to uh, Britain so um, we need to kind of clamp down on it and then that's when people started getting prosecuted for owning videos and the um, Scotland Yard were kind of um, uh, seizing uh, materials off video store owners there's but they didn't really know what they were doing there's kind of like a funny story about 
them seizing like um, uh, Apocalypse Now, which would obviously like by that stage won numerous awards, including a Palme d'Or. But because there was like you know, Cannibal Apocalypse was the name of one of the films that was on the video nasty list. Um, you know, so it, so the whole thing is just uh, like you should definitely do some research into it. But uh, yeah, I've just gone on about video nasties for ages. Okay. There, apologies. They they sort of seized the Dolly Parton film as well, which was kind of <laughs> the absurdity of the whole thing. Was yeah. it called like uh, something the, Little Whorehouse? Or? Yeah, there was one called um, The Best Little oh, Whorehouse yeah. in Texas. That was it. It was yeah. like a musical comedy starring Burt Reynolds and um, Dolly Parton. But you know that's probably the word whorehouse, and then also the word Texas, because Texas Chainsaw Massacre would have been a big. <laughs> um, would have been a big thing so they probably but, just saw it's the same with Apocalypse Now that Apocalypse Now sounds um, that's how the video recordings that kind of came about wasn't it because they sort of had a, a way they needed to systematise it because it was like people were getting concerned that they were going to get raided like video store owners and things yeah. like that so they I think they went to the government and said you need to have guidelines in place for us because we don't want to be on the you know the threat of the police just coming in like you know arbitrarily and seizing mm-hmm. the shop and stuff um, because I think it was down to what I read anyway it was down to police commissioners like it was essentially what they thought you know as the Dolly Parton thing shows it was down to their opinion on whether they thought it was obscene mm-hmm. so I think that was it stemmed from the Obscene Rights Act or something the Obscene like? Publications Act yeah. yeah sorry um, um, yeah yeah that, that's right I mean uh, the uh, it was kind of it was really 1983 before the kind of uh, conservatives gave it really much thought and by that stage you know the kind of headlines had been screaming for two or three years and it was because it was because there was a general election approaching and um, you know the, the there was the, the minor strikes and uh, the Falklands War so mm. I suppose it's, it's classic Tory policy isn't it if you've got lots of these horrendous things going on just distract everyone and yeah. pretend that video horror is the worst thing that's ever happened you know never mind all these young men going to Argentina and yeah. dying or all these miners out of work or riots or bins not getting lifted you know video horror is the main evil it's, it's happening today as well so you've got David Cameron going on about how they need to censor certain things on the internet and yeah the, need to get ISPs to bring in you know methods of control on well I think he keeps going on about pornography in particular yeah but then because it's such like what they want to clamp down on is pretty much impossible like um like it's just so broad a term most of the time like I've heard sort of stories of people who work in offices who obviously you've got restrictions at work uh, like everybody has like internet restriction at work but mm-hmm. um like most people have said it just becomes such an absurd thing after a while there was one workplace in particular where it ended up blocking their own website because the filters are just so vague um like so it just becomes absurd yeah but uh, i think like what he's doing anyway or what he wants to do david cameron uh, is pretty much um i think it's like is it like it's an opt-out scheme so he wants all like so say someone like virgin who supplies broadband he wants them to do that automatically and then you have to contact them and tell them that you want to you don't want to be censored mm-hmm. yeah sort of thing so yeah. it's automatically censored it's, yeah as, uh, as if like you're going to go and admit i want i want to watch some porn please let me watch some <laughs> porn speak to somebody about that and yeah you know and it's not porn you just want to want to read a sensible article on you know which has swear words in it or something yeah yeah but then i suppose you always say it as kind of like i thought hit the term itself like the slippery slope kind of thing um, you know yeah. like where does it lead to and so yeah. much like it'll allow them to tax so much more as well and mm. um, you know you can buy your way out of buy your way out of censorship you know but mm. Mm. it's um, not uh, but it's one thing kind of um trying to control a list of 
you know, 72 videos, but, it's, you know, there's a difference between that and trying to control the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, the same, it's a different task entirely. The same pattern has happened throughout history as well, though. I mean, like, the, especially throughout the whole 20th century, they had uh, likes of Ulysses and Henry Miller and books that were... Uh, D.H. Lawrence. D.H. Lawrence. Books that were published in Paris, and, you know, I've got a couple of them yeah. still say on the back, uh, not for distribution in the UK or US, you know. Seriously? And, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there were a couple of presses in Paris would print them and people would buy them under the counter and brown, yeah. brown paper bags and smuggle them back in England and you know or smuggle them back to the US yeah. and risk prosecution and then again with Allen Ginsberg and Howell and Naked Lunch and things like that it was Allen Ginsberg was Allen Ginsberg's Howell was um, seriously subject of yeah a massive obscenity trial but that's what actually changed the the law and allowed um, it, Ginsberg won and or well uh uh, the press, what do you call it? Lawrence Frontegetti's City Lights bookshop. Uh, there they won the case, and then uh, it was deemed that things like this weren't actually pornographic. They, they could con- hmm. contain controversial material, but not, uh, you know, not still be pornographic. And even if they were pornographic, it didn't, you know, people were old enough to judge for themselves and sensible enough to judge for themselves what what they wanted to read and what would, you know, drive them into. A frenzy of <laughs> lust and killing, you know. And uh, when <clears throat> that was the watershed, eventually was Ginsburg winning the, uh, his trial, and uh, he, uh, of course, he was he wasn't even in the country when he won. But um, yeah, then after that, then things things tightened or loosened up a lot. But then again comes the Video Nasty Act, and that's yeah, uh, the Video Recording Act, and that um, uh, yeah. Evil Dead was the kind of turning point for the Video Nasty. It was uh, Palace Video had kind of distributed it and uh, they were brought to court and in the kind of early days of the video nasty um, hysteria they were kind of bringing um, uh, like a lot of these court cases were just kind of test cases to see whether or not juries would would find um, violence um, uh, offensive Um, and uh, palace video apparently because you know a lot of the uh, people who were distributing these horror films might have just been, you know, out of work people, and they didn't really know what they were selling. But apparently, Par- Palace were actually um, horror film fans, so they decided to kind of call the prosecutor's bluff, and they ended up winning. It was found not obscene, and it was allowed to be sold. Um, but the interesting thing was that the version that Par- Palace were selling, the ver- version that Palace were distributing of The Evil Dead, had actually received um, a BBFC certificate f- um, for theatrical. Um, uh, classification because it was the case that videos didn't need to go on to be classified and uh, censored by the BBFC. It was like a legal loophole, and um, but felt but uh, films for for cinema still did. So the BBFC had kind of cut and, and classified uh, Evil Dead as X as it was then, um, and then Palace released that version on video. But Scotland Yard didn't bother checking; they just assumed it must be the uncut version. So they were essentially. Um, seizing material that had been classified by the government appointed censorship body in the UK <laughs> and that, that's how incompetent it was well, I think, like, um, wasn't there a thing well, particularly with Cannibal Holocaust wasn't that sort of there was a backfire sort of method of yeah, advertising yeah. with the I think it was it the distributor of the video at the time was, oh, what, I can't remember what they're called Go Go that was it um, but they decided it would be a good tactic to write to Mary Whitehouse <laughs> To say this is a really horrible film, but I think they thought you know any any sort of publicity is good publicity, so she would you know bring it into the public sort of yeah. thing. It would get a lot of you know sight by the world, but it got that in the wrong way and it got banned eventually because of their their method of advertising. Their 
their promotional techniques backfired unbelievably like on every front with the, <laughs> kind of the Holocaust there was also which we'll, I'm sure we'll get to later but there was also the the, the murder trial uh, yes exactly which, oh, yeah. uh, was also a result of uh, an ill an ill-fired promotional technique as well but yeah. we'll talk about yeah. that later on yeah, yeah I mean the, the thing may have kind of not worked for Go Video in the short term but um, for kind of the Holocaust as a film in the long term in the UK uh, it did work because here yeah, we, here we are today discussing Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, Some grossed like two million or something to do it. Yeah, yeah, cost like hundred thousand dollars to make or something Jeez. maybe. Right, which is about the same budget I think that John Carpenter had for Halloween. Oh. Um. So, I was gonna sorry go back on like what you guys were saying about the history of like censorship and stuff. Like just how far it goes back. I I think it goes back. I can't remember if this is the guy's name. Is it William Tyndall, maybe? The first guy that wrote uh, or translated the Bible into English. Okay. So, yeah. like, that's not, probably one of the earliest examples I can think uh-huh. of. But he was burned at the stake because he yeah. was caught. Yeah, and there were guys that like, used to have printing houses and they would have, like, a secret attic and they'd have guys that would transcribe the Bible and print it in secret and, you know, in these be secret rooms where the rest of the, the printing press went on as normal. And if they were caught, they'd be burned to death, you know, and they quite often were caught uh, yeah, I don't think yeah. I would bother. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a famous painting. I can't remember. It might have been like someone like Albrecht Dürer or someone like that. But there's a famous painting of Martin Luther, um, translating the Bible into German, and the the devil is like in the picture. The devil is coming of the painting. The devil is coming through the through the wall because there was supposed to be that like um. Uh, the devil didn't want Martin Luther because you know, this is obviously from a Protestant point of view the devil didn't want Martin Luther to translate the Bible into German because he was on the side of the Catholic Church who wanted it to remain in Latin you know so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Luther yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if it was it is yeah. Um, yeah but yeah I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about video nasties um, uh, a bit f- later on anyway as we kind of talk about Cannibal Holocaust but uh, what, what we're going to do to kind of kick off uh, the episode is I prepared a little um, quiz for uh, D and Paul. Um, so, are you ready for 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 a for a video nasty quiz? As, as ready as yeah. we'll ever be. <laughs> okay. Um, we told to revise. We. So I looked at Wikipedia, but I told you to revise, knowing full well that you wouldn't. So um, <laughs> yeah. don't don't worry. The questions aren't too. I, I was learning about about uh, Yanomami and language yeah. and things like that. Really? Oh, I, I can't speak any. Um, but yeah, sure. Um, That's on the quiz, isn't it? I accidentally clicked, I accidentally <laughs> clicked on the page. But. Well, like, like there are about ten or eleven questions okay. that are just so solely based on uh, Yanomami language. So excellent, excellent. <laughs> um, you won't know. Home. You won't know if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, let's play Ian's video nasty quiz. Ian's video nasty quiz. Ian's video nasty quiz. quiz. Um, (laughs) uh, Okay, so um, the way we're going to do this is uh, for each number, there's an A, there's a set of A questions and a B set of questions. So you each have to kind of um, choose. So we'll we'll start off with. Do you mean it's multiple choice? No, uh, oh. right. So, um, D, D, uh, you go first. So, do you want um, set A or set B of questions? 
Are the any easier? No. <laughs> no. Oh my god. Doesn't really matter, really, doesn't it? Really get a game show out of this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll go for beige or why not? Okay, hold on. I'll have to. I'll have to write out your names so we can do a wee tally of the scores. <laughs> are they a? Are they NBA themed at all? Is it like a... Um. I, yeah. I've I've tried to kind of keep keep them similar. You know the the, the questions. Um. Okay. So what did you say? B. B. Yeah. Okay. Um. How how many films on the video nasty list have the word cannibal in the title? Four. Is it A three, B four, C five, or D six? So I was I was gonna guess three, so I might as well just stick with it. Okay, no, the answer is six. Okay. There's Cannibal Apocalypse, <laughs> Cannibal Ferox, Cannibal Holocaust, Cannibal Man, Cannibal Terror, and uh, Prisoner of the Cannibal God, also known as Mountain of the Cannibal Mountain God. Of Cannibal oh, God so cool. I think that's the only other one I've seen, actually. Yeah, the only other one I've seen. I've never seen that, but it's uh, Ursula and Andres, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I watched it since I watched Cannibal Holocaust, and yeah. I was very drunk. Is that a Sergio Martino film, Prisoner Don't of the Cannibal It's been so long. I've got it on DVD, but it's been so long since I've watched it. Yeah, but I think you've got the um, Vipco version, don't you? Which yeah, I think is probably quite heavily cut. I'm yeah. not sure if there's been a more recent... Um... Talking of cuts, the only thing I can remember is the castration scene. <laughs> <That one's... laughs> Stuck in your mind. Love yeah. castration scenes. Yeah. yeah. It seems to be a thing. It, it really yeah. was um, proper ex- explo- ex- exploitation filmmaking, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so, you're, you're, so you've got set A questions. Okay, so the, okay. Uh, one A is uh, how many Dario Argento films appeared on the DPP's list, the Video Nasty list? Uh, is it A, none, B, one, C, two, or D, three? I'm going to go... One. I'll say Suspiria. Maybe. I would have said none. I was going to go none, but then mm. I thought maybe Suspiria is... Well, what's your final answer? Mm. Final answer? One. <laughs> uh, one. No, the answer is two. Oh. It's uh, Inferno and Tenebrae. Oh. Uh, Inferno, really? Yeah. Oh. Um, okay, uh, so now it's Paul's turn to pick. So the zero, 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 nil, nil. Okay. So, um, Paul, do you want uh, question? Do you want two A or two B? Two uh, A. Okay. Uh, Joe D'Amato's Anthropophagus the Beast. Have you seen it? No. Was reported. <laughs> Joe, Joe D'Amato's Anthropophagus the Beast was. Oh wait, I think I have seen it. Yeah, it's about the uh, beast in around like a country house and. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's about like the it. kind of isolated Greek island. Uh, maybe Tisa Farrow's in it who plays who, who, who was also starred in um, Zombie Flesh Eaters I might have seen it I think I might have seen it yeah. um, you know which was um, Amir Farrow's sister okay um, uh, Joe D'Amato's Anthropophagus the Beast was reported by some news outlets some British news outlets as being a genuine snuff film at the time due to a scene in which George Eastman's character attacks a pregnant woman rips her fetus out and eats it what in fact was the fetus prop A no one knows. It was just something the SFX team cooked up. B, a skinned rabbit. C, uh, a watermelon. Or D, bits of cloth and rags covered in corn syrup. Um, no, the answers again if you want. No, I'm gonna go. I think a skinned rabbit would probably fit the bill. I just don't know how you could have possibly revised for this. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go skinned rabbit. Why not? Yep, you're you're right. It was a skinned rabbit. So you made up the other ones. <laughs> they're pretty. Uh, they're pretty inventive. Yeah. Watermelon. That's. <laughs> I know. I, I kind of thought because it's it, a weird in, yeah. in, insight into the mind of a, a an SFX genius or a total madman. <laughs> uh, so D, you've got two uh, B. 
Okay. Um, in February of 1984, just as the video nasty hysteria was reaching its peak, pornographer David Hamilton Grant was convicted of possession of over 200 copies of an obscene article for publication for gain for possessing and releasing an uncut version of Scavellini's Nightmares in a Damaged Brain. What was his sentence? Did you understand the question? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Did he receive A, basically that this guy released an uncut version of Scavellini's Nightmares in, Nightmares in a Damaged Brain, did he receive A, 100 hours of community service, B, a £10,000 fine, C, 12 months in prison, or D, forfeiture of the goods and an official caution? Mm, I'm going to go for the extreme one, the 12 months in prison. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. Have you still got my copy of that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... Now, there's no choice in this one because the, the questions have to go in order. So it's okay. D again, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I went first last time. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what was the name of the MP who introduced the Video Recordings Bill, which would later become the Video Recordings Act? Was it A, Graham Bright, B, Graham Light, C, Graham Dark, or D, Graham Shade? I've got to go for Light. No, Bright. Was that the, what was the first one, sorry? Was it Bright? A, Graham Bright. I'll go for Bright, why not? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Sounds like the most normal name. <laughs> yeah. um, Paul, your question. Uh, Graham Bright famously said that he believed video nasties would not only harm the mental stability of children, but they would that, but that they would also do what? B or A, bring down the economy. B, negatively affect soldiers fighting in the Falklands. C, be harmful to dogs. Or D, <laughs> cause a rise in suicides. Uh, I'd say either Falklands or suicides. But mm, I don't think the Tories really cared about suicide, so Falkland. <laughs> no, the answer was C. Be harmful to dogs. Be harmful to dogs. Oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah. Is there more? Like to why? Say why? <laughs> no, he just um, he just says that uh, it, 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 it's quite funny. Um, there was someone else pointed this this out. It's on the the uh, video nasties documentary that was released um, a few years ago. Mm. And someone kind of points out that whenever Graham Bright is talking about this uh, report that he's commissioned. Before the report has even begun, he he's he he's actually saying, um, "I know that the report will show that video nasties are harmful." Right. Okay. You know, typical kind of Tory mindset. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm like yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have a yeah. disinterested panel carrying out a report and then recommending to the government. We already know what we want to hear. So, regardless <laughs> of what the answer is, and he said he knew that he was certain that it would show that video nasties were not only harmful to children but they would also harm dogs. <laughs> and it's been shown to be true. Uh, yeah, sure. Not not remember all the all the the dogs, um, you know, murdering, killing people. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I can't even can't even, can't even continue that. Um, okay, so now it's crazy P, Paul. Okay. Uh, so do you want A or B? Um, I'll go B this time. Okay. Um, this is just a single answer thing. Uh, what was the name of the only British film to appear in the list? Uh. Um, it wasn't like oh crap I think I do know this one but I can't think what it is um, it's probably I know almost certainly not but um, Living Dead in Manchester Morgue no it was uh, Expose uh, yeah. uh, D uh, 4A what was the name of the only film directed by Dan O'Bannon to appear on the list I didn't even know we had one on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck. I don't know. Uh, do I get any clues? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. 
Uh, Dead and Buried. Oh, was it? Oh. Mm-hmm. I would have thought that was much later. Uh, no. No? Dead for some and... reason I thought that, yeah, that was... Yeah, no. Dead and Buried was a video nasty. I don't know, for some reason I thought that was like early 90s. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's the thing, because it, it, you know, video nasty, you think, you know, kind of low-budget shit Italian horror, but I mean, Dead and Buried's a, it's quite a de- high production. decent production, isn't it? It's a Dan O'Bannon film. Did The Exorcist fall under the video nasties, or was it... Um, no, it was... Um, it, it wasn't one of the kind of uh, final 72, but it, it was on a kind of subsequent list that Scotland Yard had prepared. It wasn't an official list, but uh, things like um, uh, Dawn of the Dead, the Thi- John, John Carpenter's The Thing, um, were all on that. Um, but yeah, it wasn't one of the 72. Yeah. Um, so, uh, f- number five. Oh, did you get that? No, you didn't get that right. Okay, so no, no, uh, question number five. Do you want... Uh, who, who's it? Is it D? D? Uh, do you want A or B? Uh, a, sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, which of the following legendary directors did not appear on the video nasty list? Okay. A, Abel Ferrara, B, Wes Craven, C, Sam Raimi, or D, George Romero? Okay, well, I know Abel Ferrara was on it with The Driller Killer. Uh, Sam Raimi was on it with The Evil Dead. Uh, who was it, Wes Craven and Romero? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I can't remember if Romero had films on it, but then I can't remember if Elm Street or anything would have been... That was too late, maybe? I don't know. I'm gonna go with, because I don't have a clue, I'll just go with Wes Craven. No, the answer no, is George Romero. Romero. Yeah. <laughs> Last House on the Left. Last House on the Left. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Right enough. Ah. <laughs> and, Paul, you've got the same question. Uh, 5B. The last... The, la- uh, the last question almost gave that away though when you said that Don of the Dead wasn't on it. Yes, exactly. I, I, I actually thought that, that, yeah. But, I knew Bob Stokes on the left was on it. <laughs> Luckily, Dee wasn't paying attention. <laughs> 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 so, uh, uh, 5B. Um, okay. So, yeah, which of the following legendary directors did not appear in the video nasty list? Toby Hooper, Mario Bava, Lamberto Bava, Lu- Lucio Filci. Lamberto Bava. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Toby Hooper had Funhouse and Death Trap. Mario Bava had. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, no? No, it was on the kind of uh, other oh, okay. other kind of list that wasn't officially yeah. released. Um, Lamber- Did you say that in the last question? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not paying attention. Are you guys actually? Not busy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mar- Mario Bava, Bay of Blood, uh, Lucio Fulci, House for the Cemetery, The Beyond, and Zombie Flesh Eaters. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, so. Is it not to all? Huh? Is it not to all? It is now, yes, to oh, all. Yeah. To all. So, question six, do you... Um, I can never remember whose who's goal is. It's Paul's, I think. Yeah, it's mine, yeah. Are you paying attention? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on the other way, I nearly saw the answers, which oh, actually I shouldn't, I shouldn't tell you. So do you want A or B? Uh, give me uh, B. Give him A, because he saw the answer. <laughs> well, this is another one that if you're listening to the, the, the next last five minutes, you, you'll probably get this for fuck's sake. The, the, there's a chance for an extra point in both of these ones. So, uh, Toby Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre is often mistaken as one of the 72 original nasties, when in fact it didn't appear on the list. But two of Hooper's other films did. Can you name either? Oh. You get a, so you get a point for each. That's not fair. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck, I wasn't listening. <laughs> um, you just told me. <laughs> If anyone's yeah. listening to this or shouting at you. Right? I know. I can't remember. I can't remember what you said. I would have remembered it better. Um, one is 
Funhouse. Funhouse. And the other is Death Trap. The other is Death Trap. I mean, it is. My mind went totally black. I couldn't think of anything else. Toby Hooper. Toby Hooper directed it. Um, okay, so D, you're, you've got 6A, and this is quite a long question, because oh this is actually quite an interesting um, point in the, the Video Nasty thing. Um, uh, during the Video Nasty hysteria, a report was carried out by psychologist Guy Cumberbatch, which showed that children would lie about having seen Video Nasties. The way he did so was to present a group of school kids with a list of titles, some made up and some real, and see if they would say that they had seen films that didn't exist, so that he could then kind of you know, say to people... All your video nasty, um, you know, because there was like a st- there was like a statistic brought out by the government that one in three children under ten had seen a video nasty. So he was kind of saying, you know, kids lie, um, so you can't really trust, you know, the, uh, their version of the events. Um, so um, I'm going to read you four titles. Two are real, and two are false. And um, the the false titles are two titles that the, the kids in the report actually said that they had that they had seen, even though they don't exist. So can you guess the two real ones? You get a point for each real one. <laughs> so uh, A, Zombies from Beyond Space. B, Night of the Bloody Apes. C, Vampire Holocaust. Or D, Mardi Gras Massacre. Okay. <laughs> I wish all uh, of them were real. For some reason, Mardi Gras Massacre sounds like a real one. Um, what was the first one again? Sorry. Was, uh, zombies from Beyond Space. That's not a real one. I don't Night of the Bloody Apes and Vampire Holocaust. I'm going to go for Night of the Bloody Apes, maybe. Yeah, I'll, fuck it, I'll go for those two. Yep, they're both correct. Right, well so done. D storms ahead, it's 4-2. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh, oh God, whose turn is it? <laughs> uh, your turn. Is it my turn? Yeah. Uh, okay, so D, um, I'm going to give you four uh, titles, and they are the alternative titles of Video Nasties, because like, a lot of these films... Would have been given a different name by distributors or whatever, different names in different countries, that, all that kind of thing. Um, so four titles, uh, and one of them is false. Um, so uh, A, a song to kill by. B, don't open the window. C, make them die slowly. And D, the dorm that dripped blood. Um, which which of those is a false title? A song to kill by. Don't open the window. Make them die slowly. The dorm that dripped blood. I'm gonna go for make them die slowly. No, that's no. false. It was a song to kill by as the made-up title. Okay. Uh, Don't open the window was an alternative title for Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. Ah. Make them die slowly was an alternative title for Umberto Lenzi's Cannibal Ferox, and the door that dripped blood was an alternative title for Pranks. I thought Living Dead at Manchester Morgue wasn't was not. No, it was. Did you not say earlier it wasn't? No, I said it wasn't a British film. It's not a British oh. film. No. Ah. Okay. Um. So you get 7B, uh, Paul. Uh, Same thing. I'm going to read you out four titles, uh, which is the false one. Um, So A, California Axe Massacre. B, B, The Ghastly Ones. C, Blood Lake. Or D, Night School. California Axe Massacre, The Ghastly Ones, Blood Lake, or Night School. The Ghastly Ones is sort of the... Creative on that, so I don't know if it's that one because your other ones have been quite creative. So, what was it? Night School? Yeah, Night School. No, it was Blood Lake. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, California Axe Massacre was the alternative title for Axe. Uh, the Ghastly Ones was Andy Milligan's Blood Rites, and Night School was Terror Eyes. Ah, okay. Uh, okay. 
Uh, so, uh, Crazy P, I think it's your turn, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so do you want 8A or 8B? I'll go A this time. I had terrible luck with P last okay. time. Uh, the Video Nasty Hysteria saw the Obscene Publications Act used for the first time against on-screen violence. Hitherto, what had the act only been used against? Hmm. <clears throat> I would imagine pornography, but uh, yeah, okay, pornography. Yeah, pornography. Mm-hmm. Pornography or yeah, explicit sex. Okay. So that's a that's a point to to pause. So it's four three today. Oh, we're getting tight. <laughs> um, and D eight uh, B. Um, the Obscene Publications Act targeted any video titles deemed liable to deprave and what. It's not like corrupt, is it? Yep. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, libel to the Raven Grub, so it's five five three today. I was gonna say tiddle it. <laughs> uh, I think I remember like that's one of the things I remember coming up on Wikipedia when I looked yeah. at it. Oh yeah. Because I think that said that was the problem with it, because it's quite doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no there's no like measurable way of yeah. corruption. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Corruption yeah. and depravity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, they might as well say like likely to cause impatience or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so nine. Uh, so it's D. Uh, do you want A or B? Uh, A. Okay. Uh, George Grau's Living Dead at Manchester Morgue was set and filmed in the north of England, despite being a Spanish-Italian production. Why was the name Manchester used? A. To appeal to the UK public, which was the biggest importer of Span- Spanish horror at the time. B, to fool authorities in Spain to avoid paying tax. C, because the crew thought the name Manchester sounded exotic. Or D, because of demands made by the local council before permission would be granted to film. Uh, I'll go for D. Why not D? No, it's C, because the crew thought it sounded exotic. Okay. Manchester. (laughs) Maybe it does because of the alliteration. I don't know. Manchester. But Manchester more just because it's. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, I suppose so. I don't yeah. know. I, thought, I would have thought alliteration, but. Man, Manchester. Like Manchester. <laughs> like Manche, like yeah. A little bit of. There's more syllables. There. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I thought my false reasons were actually quite good. They were pretty good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Slow we can work. Uh, so, yeah, 9B. Uh, the, the video cover for Dario Argento's Tenebrae had to be modified um, to avoid causing offence to visit video store browsers. What was changed? A. Nipples were removed from a woman's body. B. A streak of blood was changed into a red ribbon. C. A knife was changed to look like a handheld mirror. Or D. The tagline was removed as it was felt to be too threatening. I don't know. Knife and mirror kind of sounds a little bit Argento-ish. Do you want them again? No, I'm going to go knife and mirror. No, it was the streak of blood. Ah, sure. Yeah, it was changed to a red ribbon around the girl's neck. Uh, okay, uh, so last last question. So, Paul, I don't think you can. No, I, I can't you win. You can mathematically win, but you can, you can give it your best you can, shot. You can, <laughs> or you or can power ahead with a, an admirable score. Mm-hmm. So do you want A or B? I'll go A again. Uh, Aldo Lado's Late Night Trains or Don't Don't Ride on Late Night Trains uh, was a remake of another Rape Revenge video nasty it was basically another Rape Revenge video nasty except set on a train 
Um, can you can you name the film it was based on? The original was set in a train. Um, Eldorado's late, late night trains. Is, it, it, was, is, it was set in a train. Is set on a train. The original wasn't set in a train. The, the original, original was set in your grave. No. Ah, Last house on the left. Ah, fuck. <laughs> I knew that because I'd seen that was in that Mark Gatiss documentary about, about horror. Okay, know. yeah, because it's the um, the two girls are going home for the holidays yeah. on Christmas Eve, and then they are attacked and raped and killed on a train, and then when they then they they seek shelter, and it happens to be the girls' parents. The parents yeah. find out and kill them, which is yeah, the, it's a, a horrible, horrible film. Um, it's <laughs> both are horrible films. <laughs> It, I but mean, yeah. we were kind of talking about this last last, last um, time. We were kind of saying Last House on the Left is nowhere near as bad as I Spit in Your Grave. Yeah. I think Late Night Trains is nowhere near as bad as um, uh, Last House on the Left. left yeah. So it kind of goes Spit in Your Grave, Last House, yeah. Late Night Trains. Mm. I don't know. I think Last House might be worse than I Spit in Your Grave. Really? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know because I think Last House is a bit more a bit more artistic. It's almost like a kind of grungy, kind of folk indie film. Yeah. Whereas I Spit in Your Grave is just... It, it feels like backwards. there's more of a narrative behind uh, Last House, whereas opposed to I know there is a narrative, but it just feels like it's being done to assault your senses in a way. Yeah, true. And there's also not as much rape. Um, well, it's kind of yeah. more sexual humiliation, and violence. There's yeah. only actually actually one rape, whereas yeah. in I Spit in Your Grave, there's like four or five rapes. That's that's better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's like a thing. Uh, it's also I think it's on the video nasties Island of Death. Yeah, like I've got that, and I've seen. I thought, well, the version I've got anyway. There's one of the extras is an interview with the director, and he basically says, "I made this after seeing Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I knew that it would be controversial, so I threw as much shit in there as possible." Yeah, so yeah. that's what I spit in your grave feels like to me. Anyway. Is Island of Death the one where he ends up massacring all the kids at the end? So no, no, no. What's it's that? got the weird farmer. the kids. Kids are like taking over <laughs> some Spanish island, I think, or Italian. Island. Or some town anyway, and uh, hmm. he at the end the guy realizes the only way he's going to survive is if he machine guns all his kids. <laughs> it's horrendous, like it's really yeah. weird reason to survive. <laughs> yeah. um, um, island of Death is uh, set in the Greek island of Mykonos, and the, okay. the two um, this couple who are kind of like evangelical Christians. Yeah, they go to kind of cleanse evil people, which basically means is that what they are. Does it say that in the film? Yeah, that's kind of what they say. They're carrying out God's work and all that kind See, of stuff. I don't remember it that well, so mm. I was wondering why they're so psychopathic. Yeah, that, that's what it is. Um, mm. Yeah. yeah. Sin- it's like cleansing sinful people, so that's why they kill the the gay couple and uh, okay. you know anyone oh, who's kind of okay. anyone who's overtly sexual. They, they that's why yeah. they, they kind of target them. Um, okay, so um, just one question left. It's 10B for D. See if you can absolutely rinse it. Um, <laughs> uh, Joe D'Amato's Absurd is often considered a rip-off of a famous US slasher. Can you name it? Can you name the slasher? Uh, no. <laughs> I'll just guess. Um, I'll go for Halloween. Ooh. Now, I, I am actually going to give you half a point there because... the. It, I, I think I mean it's obviously up to interpretation but I think the actual answer is Halloween 2 ah. um, <laughs> because it's kind of but it, but it does have a kind of ha- does have a Halloween-y feel to it so so I'll uh, give you half so um, at the end it's uh, Paul uh, finishes on three but D rinses it with um, five and a half yay well done good job I don't want any prizes though <laughs> <laughs> yeah. cheers my family wants some fucking prizes <laughs> yeah. and that was Ian's video nasty quiz. All right. 
Move in tight. Tight. Oh, come in for close-up. Watch it, Alan. I'm shooting. Oh, good Lord. It's... It's unbelievable. It's... It's horrible. I can't understand the reason for such cruelty. It must have something to do with some obscure sexual writer. With the almost profound respect these primitives have for... For Hey, give him some of this. A little muskrat stomach. You like it, huh? Right, it's all yours. Go on, stuff yourself. This so-called documentary footage is offensive, it is dishonest, and above all, it is inhuman. And yet man seems to ignore the fact that on this very planet there are still people living in the Stone Age and practicing cannibalism. Primitive tribes isolated in a ruthless and hostile environment where the prevailing law is the survival of the fittest. And this jungle, which its inhabitants refer to as the Green Inferno, is only a few hours flying time from New York City. fearless Americans, children of the space age, armed with cameras, microphones, and curiosity. What seemed to be unthinkable undertakings yesterday are history today. The conquest of the moon, for example. Who talks about it anymore? Today, we are already on the threshold of conquering our galaxy, and in a not-too-distant tomorrow, we'll be considering the conquest of the universe. Hi, this is Jack Thomas Smith, the director of the feature film Infliction, and you're listening to Won't Stay Dead. Right, so, um, yeah, on to the main feature now, I guess. Um, it's Rogero Deodato's Cannibal Holocaust, uh, 1980, um, film shot in the Colombian Amazon. And basically, it's um, one of the first kind of found footage uh, style films. Uh, it's about uh, an anthropologist called... Um, Monroe, Harold Monroe, and he uh, and this team basically travel to the Amazon to find uh, this documentary team that has gone missing. Um, they get there and uh, they eventually find their kind of lost uh, reels and you know uh, film cans and things like that in a monument made out of bones. So basically, they learn that. They, they did the film team did something to piss off the local tribe and uh, got killed and eaten 
Um, but they managed to take the uh, reels back to New York and they're about to show them uh, uh, as you know this kind of documentary when they view it and realize um, the kind of horrors that the uh, the uh, team kind of inflicted upon the tribe and what their uh, kind of violent uh, retribution was um, and it's obviously kind of throws open that uh, you know who are the real savages kind of post-colonial type question um, as lots of kind of subsequent cannibal films did notably uh, Umberto Lenzi's Cannibal Ferox um, so it, it was a film that um, I kind of um, heard about when I was first getting into the video nasties and I was about uh, 18, 19 and uh, bought it on DVD um, got the initial um, BBFC classification which had uh, lot, lots of stuff cut out um, and it's kind of been since been Revisited and re-classified, um, it's on and shameless, um, but it's still uh, uh, unavailable, uh, uncut in the UK. Uh, we'll probably discuss that later on. Um, but yeah, it was a film that um, I always wanted to see because it's supposed to be absolutely horrendous. Um, but when you watch it, um, you realise that Rosario Deodato was actually um, uh, a really talented filmmaker, and uh, it's actually quite bits of it are quite actually beautifully shot. Yeah, it's it's an interesting film. <laughs> Um, I kind of, I think I left the film not uneasy, but like sort of a bit angry at times, but that's mostly because of the animal stuff, like the animal cruelty. Um, I don't know if it's best to sort of start with that now because I think we'll bring it up eventually, but upon first viewing, yeah, it's, it's, it is a very well-made film. Um, and the stuff that you touched on, like the way it's shot, like the guy, uh, Deodato is obviously talented like uh, i think there's a few good scenes in particular where they're walking through the jungle they're just really well shot so like it's obviously kind of steady cam kind of stuff um, but it's 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 really well done and i think the narrative or the way it's shot it's kind of well done in bits like um I'm, i was just trying to think like what that film would be like if it was shot today like it'd probably be i don't know a bit more uh, nicely paced because some of it does like the cuts and it seems sudden at times, but I think like I don't know why that is, but but it's still well shot though all, all together. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I know what you mean. The the cuts do seem quite uh, quite abrupt and quite uh, yeah, quite sharp. But um, <clears throat> I don't know. I actually I thought the, the narrative. I was actually really impressed with the narrative watching it again. I hadn't seen it in about ten years, but um, I thought uh, narratively it was quite engaging, and um, I liked that. Yeah, I like that it grounds you in um, it grounds you in like familiar territory where you know there's an anthropologist in a New York studio talking to executives in an office, you know, in a boardroom, you know, and uh, you know it, then it also cuts back to um, this horrendous stuff that's going on in in the, the bowels of nowhere, you know, the, the deepest Amazon, and uh, it yeah, I I think narratively it's, it really pulls you along and like much more so than most other uh, films that I think sort of imitated it mm-hmm. you know they uh, just go from atrocity to atrocity where this has a, an actual story to tell and I think it tells it very well you know I think uh, it's uh, it's pretty cohesive in the way that it brings all these strands together and I uh, I was I was much more impressed with it this time around than I was before I think I was about 18 when I watched it before 19 and uh, I thought that was schlocky and and you know, just 
just a, a bit of gory nonsense but uh, no it's 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 more than that and uh, I, I had I had really undersold it before but uh, I'm glad I, I'm really glad you suggested it again actually yeah. but, um, I think that's how it was sold to me though like as it, it was just gory nonsense um, like any time I'd heard someone in the past talking about it like what I remember is people just describing it as that like gory nonsense mm-hmm. like, um, but upon watching it like it's not like there, you can't there's a lot of interpretations of the film like but that's a good thing you know that, that you can take that from it rather than just saying oh it's just a bunch of like violence you know cut together on film yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, one of the bits that I kind of love is the part where um, I think it's the uh, there's three tribes and we've before we even started recording, we were kind of trying to <laughs> trying to get them right. Person, but knows. it I believe it is the Yanomamu. Um, there's a scene where they they're they're in the kind of long grass and they all kind of pop up and fire some fire some darts. That's a Yukumu. That's that's the Yukumu tribe. They kind of pop up, fire the darts, and come back down again. And that happens maybe three or four times. But just yeah. it's the, the the sight of the grass and then the the blue sky in the background and then them just kind of popping up, firing, and then coming back down mm-hmm. again. And just yeah. like looking at that, it, it is like something you'd see, you know, like a David Attenborough documentary. It, it is shot unbelievably, un- you know, yeah. well. It's it just, it just, it looks really good. And certain parts when the um, when the tribes are kind of dancing around, and you know, all the kind of you know clay on their bodies, and um, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something else. And I think there's there's a the bit where um, Monroe decides he wants to kind of uh, get closer to the the tribe. Um, and so he kind of strips naked and gets into the river. Yeah. And all the all the um, girls from the tribe um, kind of come in there naked too. Yeah. I, I read somewhere that they were actually um, prostitutes yeah, hired, yeah, from, hired from a, a local, local brothel. brothel yeah. <laughs> but uh, and uh, Robert Carman, who plays um, Monroe, was a porn actor as well. He'd been in uh, Debbie Debbie <laughs> yeah. Does Dallas, yeah. I think. He yeah. said he regretted that as well. Yeah. yeah. He didn't regret any of the rest of the porn, but that one in particular, because I think it got quite notorious or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've you know we've heard of it, so I suppose well, yeah. Yeah, it must have been. I think he ended up going back to porn after kind yeah. of the Holocaust. Yeah. Well, he did uh, uh, Umberto Lenzi's Cannibal Ferox, and okay. I think he went back to. Yeah. It's also in Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Oh, a, very, a very brief scene, yeah. yeah. Uh, I looked up his IMDb. He's like a tugboat captain, but I can't remember. I can't remember the tugboat part. I've definitely watched it, but apparently he's in it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I find a similar thing with um, Gabrielle York, who plays Alan Yates, you know, the, the main um, kind of wanker who's... Yeah. Uh, girlfriend with or who's the boyfriend of Faye Daniels mm-hmm. um he is like a he plays like a technician in Apollo 13 you know the, no, really? <laughs> yeah. but um going back to what I, I was mighty have fallen. <laughs> <laughs> going back to what I was saying whenever you're watching him kind of frolicking with these uh, girls and, and they're kind of um you know they're, they're like laughing and like you know feeling his skin you know grabbing his cheeks and they're, and they're, his, they're yeah they're even, like, they're, even like, they're even like grabbing his knob just to see what it feels like and stuff and it's 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 completely asexual they're just kind of yeah. having fun and you know he doesn't have an erection and they just kind of run off again it's just kind of platonic fun but that's not what i took from it like i, I took that that's a very westernized sort of notion of what what's going on like you know the way it's directed and the way it's scripted mm-hmm. like, yeah that they see him as this sort of outside Adonis almost like you know do you think it was that or do you think it was just like oh he's a white man let's let's see what he feels like I saw I think that, that I, I, think I, of, I saw like, a bit of yeah like uh, let's let's play with this this exotic white character but also I remember reading a, a book about uh, a, a guy who goes to live with a, a tribe um, in the Amazon uh, the Pitahan 
and uh, he said that the guys would sit around and like bat each other's balls for the crack, you know. <laughs> and this guy was he, was he started like as Christian missionary and ended up um, losing all his faith and like now is if he has any religion, it's the sort of Peter Han religion, which doesn't isn't a religion at all. But he um, said he was he was like appalled that like the the guys would like you know play with each other's balls in front of his, his like six year old daughter, and then uh, and he, he shot at them. But then. He realised these, these guys were like, why the hell is this guy shooting us? Yeah. Why is he yeah. being such a dick, you know? This, Maybe is, don't this bring, is what we do, you know, this is yeah. good fun, you know? Maybe don't bring your six-year-old daughter yeah. along. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of a Monty Python, or not Monty Python, sorry, um, Palin. Uh, you know, his Around the World thing. Yeah. I can't remember where this was in particular, but there was like uh, wee kids that get goat's testicles with yeah. skin from it, sorry, anyway. And like basically you blow air into them. And then you make a fart noise when you blow it. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a whippy cushion? Yeah, essentially, yeah. yeah. But like, you can just imagine someone like Mary Whitehouse being appalled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though it's just innocent fun, like, it's yeah. all it is. Um, well, you're going to probably think me very uh, ethnocentric, but um, when I was watching that scene with Monroe and, and the tribe girls, I, I thought it was really, really sweet. And I actually sat with a big grin on my face going, aren't humans great? Because it's just, you know, these two... Two two diff- completely different cultures coming together, and they find laughter and fun and happiness. And it's not something that you might expect when you look at the video cover of Cannibal Holocaust, or yeah. or hear about it being banned. Well, Great. that's what I took from it anyway. That it's kind of well the way they probably scripted it was you know to see this guy who's. Uh, like he's just this white man, so he, and he's great. So let's all run over and like you know touch him up and. Yeah, there was definitely a sexual element to me. Like, uh, do you think it was? Just, I don't, I don't get yeah. that at all. That there was a sexual element. Mm. Yeah, and that that's why, like, even the two observers, like one one of them's the tour guide. They're kind of they've got like you know smiles on their faces. Yeah, and I don't think it's because they're having fun. They're like going, oh, you know, he's getting his end away. Yeah, I, but I he doesn't actually, get his end away. He no, he doesn't. But I think but that's the fact the that point. they yeah. they use prostitutes to film it, I think maybe, I think yeah, it would sort of confirm to me that there, yeah. there was a sexual intent behind it, like. Yeah, because they want to make sure they've got young, attractive yeah. Yeah. girls. I, uh, and, and girls who don't mind, like, presumably don't mind uh, handling people's, people's bits. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, he's also a really shit anthropologist. Monroe? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. He is, yeah, he doesn't seem to get any. He doesn't know no. anything about their culture, and he's, he's surprised by fucking yeah. everything. Like. And, and the fact that the two, like, the tour guys who, like, are also mental... Um, yeah. Because at one stage, one of them's given one of the tribes people cocaine. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The fact that they're telling them to calm down and not get involved at times. Yeah, like, yeah. Says a lot about the anthropologist. Yeah. I mean, it, it is and um, one of those things um, that we will uh, kind of discuss probably throughout this. It's that kind of post-colonial idea of you know if you like whenever they see uh, D. I, I'm not sure. The, the thing is that. Paul and I watched the completely uncut version, hmm. but D, I think you watched the kind of 2011 BBC, BBFC yeah, cut, yeah. so I'm not sure if, yeah. the, if this is in that version, but the bit where they, they've kind of just arrived, Maroon and all have just arrived, and this guy pulls up in a canoe and pulls out a girl, and it's basically a punishment for adultery. Yes, I know that bit's in the one I watched. Yeah, if you, I think if you watched the one I sent you, I too. ended up not watching that because oh. I knew it was going to my mum and dad's house, so I ended <laughs> oh. up like, Fair enough. Yeah. I ended up downloading it just in case, because like, yeah. uh, they're not great with the internet, so I thought just in case the internet gets cut off, at least I'll have a version to watch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think it was pretty much the one, it's got everything in it apart from the, what do you call it, Weird Animal? Code Mundi, I think. It doesn't have that in it. Okay. okay. So, so the, the version you watched have that? I did, yeah, yeah. 
So basically, he drags this woman onto the shore and rapes her with a big stone. Yeah. And then he yeah, kind of, a big cock shaped stone. Yeah, yeah, and then he beats her to death. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Monroe's trying, Monroe a few times makes to intervene and stop. Mm. And mm. the guy pulls him back. And it's, it's one of those things you think, if we weren't here, this would be happening anyway. But yeah, does that? But, but but does does that give us a reason to not intervene and stop this? I think so. I mean, I, I think if if you're there, then you're complicit. You know, if yeah. you're there and you're you're passive, then you're complicit. But he points out if you if he doesn't kill her, the tribe will kill him. So if mm. if you intervene, then both of them will die. Yeah, but that's what he thinks anyway. It's not a definite like. But he said mm. something like that, or like you know, I think he also says something like she would have died anyway, or something. And, mm. But like he doesn't definitely know that. <laughs> so, so. But like, but it's that's not my problem with him not interfering in that. Like, there's various other situations where no one's dying or anything, or no one's getting attacked. But he's all very jumpy and like uh, gets his gun out at certain stages. And, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like an anthropologist wouldn't, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like everything an anthropologist should know not to do. Like. Yeah. But um. <clears throat> It's it's like it's actually it's very like um, there's a yeah uh, I don't know like early early explorers would always go in guns blazing and um, mm. there's one explorer uh, Percy Fawcett Colonel Percy Fawcett he wasn't a real Colonel uh, went in the Amazon and uh, <clears throat> uh, realized that if you point a gun at a tribesman three other tribesmen will come up and spear you in the back you know yeah. so you yeah um, you go in and you lay your gun down and you um, you know, uh, try to talk to them like people, and mm-hmm. most of the time they'll talk back. Um, and then he got, uh, he was, never came back. He brought his son and his son's best friend into the, the jungle looking for the lost city of Z or Z, and uh, presumably found it, but um, died shortly after. Um, and nobody knows where he went to. Or, mm. Only crap. But, uh, but actually, there's a, a tribe like the uh, Yamamani, Yanomami, um, who are talked about by all the other local tribes who say um in, in brazil actually so it's probably could be animami but um they uh no white man has ever seen them and survived like mm, the, the shamatari like the, or yeah like yeah. shamatari in, in kind of a holocaust but uh the other tribes talk about them in fear and they mm-hmm. you know, they uh they assume that Fawcett was was murdered by whoever these guys are it might be the shamatari yeah okay um, I mean, in uh, Cannibal Holocaust, you mean the 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 difference in approaches, the the you know um, kind of Monroe, Monroe learns that, you know, he can kind of give them the uh, the tape recording um, device, and yeah. you know uh, Miguel gives them the uh, he kind of shows them how to work the flick knife and gives them that, and then they kind of trust them, invite them to dinner. Once he's eaten the the brains, then they <laughs> yeah. then then they give him the the film reels, whereas. Yeah. Um, the the film crew, um, they uh, they just they do just go in guns blazing. The the first yeah. thing they do is shoot a tribesman so he's wounded so that they can follow him back. Yeah, yeah. you just like you're just asking for trouble, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say also about the Monroe thing where he plays the tape recorder back to them. I think that's another good example of what an anthropologist wouldn't do. Yeah, yeah, because well, they're frightening like, yeah, with exploiting like yeah, like the fact that he has technology and he knows that whatever that is sort of like a mantra kind of thing it's a sound to like say over and over again yeah. so he tape records it and then plays it back to them it's like it's just a way to exploit yeah but he has to get the tapes but he doesn't have to though like oh, he's, he he's using that tapes. he's using that to exploit what he wants out of them it's not that he actually wants to, he, he's claiming to be an anthropologist that wants to study these people 
but he has a goal in mind of getting these tapes back to find out what happened to this bunch of Westerners that went in. Mm-hmm. So his, his end goal in mind is to find out what happened to them rather than like what actually the tribe are about or what goes on within that society. Yeah, but like, from, from his point of view, it's absolutely vital that they find out what happened, no? Well, yeah, but that's that's my problem with it, though. That that that, that is his focus. Like his yeah, focus isn't on yeah. them. His focus is on the Westerners, the the people that went in, not yeah. died. In the that's not an anthropologist role. role. That's a you know an investigator's role. You know? Could you not argue that he's kind of saying, <clears throat> I I want to find out what happens when this tribe is threatened by white people, so I want the tapes. But yeah. Possibly as well. But, yeah. but he still does exploit them though to like yeah. to gain that knowledge. Mm. But it was also like there's a a, a note I made earlier about like. Uh, there's a tribe. Have you guys ever watched Adam Curtis documentaries at all? No. Mm, no. Uh, there's no. one called The Trap, which is quite good. Um, it's about the rise of uh, it's about the rise of New Labour anyway, and the, the rise of uh, also like neoliberals and the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. But it touches upon human nature and anthropology and stuff. And there's a guy. I'm trying to remember his name. He's he's called Napoleon Chagnon, who Amazing. was an anthropologist, and he went to it was a Venezuelan tribe. Um, they're also I don't know if this is coincidence, but they're called the Yamu Manu. Yes, yeah, no, that's that's yeah. I've read about this guy as well. Yeah, yeah so yeah. he basically went and studied this tribe, and what he said he observed was two warring factions, but they weren't sure at the time what caused the sort of the the fight. But basically, there was a village fight, and eventually people got involved. And it started off with two people, sorry, and more people from the tribe seemed to get involved and from either side. But at the start, they claimed, I think it was because of an incestuous relationship. Um, but then they sort of, I think they gathered over time. It was for other reasons. It was like an outsider or something had stolen something. But this is what they thought anyway at the time. Um, but then when Adam Curtis filmed the documentary, interviewed this guy, the anthropologist, and sort of said, well, is it not possible that they were fighting to impress you because you were giving them gifts? And it turned out that he was giving them like these sort of very well made machetes and he would like give them to them eventually, depending on what he caught on film. But he was so upset. He didn't answer this. He was so upset that he just didn't answer the question and walked off. So it, it sort of raises that kind of idea yeah. of like outside interference and you're mm. not actually documenting what's going on. Mm-hmm. I think actually as well, I, I read a, a little bit about that <coughs> and uh, also then somebody then researched into the Yamamoto, uh, Yamamoto. Uh, further into that and then decided that yeah every time that they not every time that they engage in violence but most of the time they engage in violence it's due to uh like a little a little bit removed but western pressure or western you know influences yeah. that uh, happen through degrees you know like maybe happen through trade routes or whatever but it seems to be that they're <clears throat> many animato males um have a 50 percent chance of dying in a violent violent death you know no. mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's, yeah, that it was assumed that that Napoleon Chagnon, um, was, had had originally said that yeah they they're just inherently violent, but yeah, um, yeah after um, after further scrutiny it turns out it's yeah it seems to be that their history wasn't yeah. violent they've just become violent through or become a lot more violent through Western influence. Well, it was also used as an excuse to uh, like. Um, well, behind a lot of policy that was used by a lot of governments because they took it as this is a scientific example of just the intrinsic value of violence in human nature, what yeah. they saw anyway. And then the fact that it calls it into question is pretty good. But mm-hmm. but uh, that's the reasoning. Like once you have a scientific example of humans being violent towards each other, 
then you have a reason to go and write well they need to be controlled mm-hmm. you know there's there's justification for government mm-hmm. and yeah, a yeah. strong governmental figure to control these mental people and I think it also comes back to the Video Recordings Act and the reason for censorship so you get like that's yeah. why we need to ban things because people can't be trusted mm-hmm. yeah you know once they see these um, things <laughs> and it's not only people I mean um, kind of since kind of more uh, research has been done into the video nasties and, and what happened um, the head of the BBFC at the time was a guy called James Furman who was um, very kind of uh, conservative in his in, in his uh, tastes his kind of film tastes and I think basically someone's got him on record as kind of addressing uh, a crowd of people um, at a talk and he pretty much says that it's okay for the police and uh, examiners and people with degrees in education to watch video nasties they won't be affected (laughs) but working class people are likely to be you know driven insane and driven to rape and murder and things and you know that I mean that was always a kind of implicit you know accusation because you kind of say right well if the uh, BBFC views this film in its entirety and says no one should be allowed to watch this film in entirety because it will have a detrimental effect on their men- on their mental health then you'd say well why did that panel of six examiners not then go home and murder their families and put their store their heads <laughs> in the freezer um, yeah, you can't be trusting them working class though exactly <laughs> and that that is the thing but I mean uh, I suppose De- Deodato does kind of address that because one of his main influences was the uh, Mondo Cane um, film which um uh, Mondo then became a uh, style of filmmaking. Um, did you guys re- read much about Mondo Cane or did you watch it? Um, I just uh, read, no. Well, I heard about like um, you, you can fill us in more, but I remember that in the film itself, uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, it's like the documentary within the film that yeah, the crew had previously yeah, filmed. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the last one. Yeah, the hell. Last yeah. Hell, yeah. But I didn't know at the time when I was watching it, but apparently that's real footage of executions. Yeah. Uh, I think so, uh, and obviously the claim that's made in the film is that it was all kind of staged, or people were paid. Pay, yeah. But yeah, but the implication is they were paid to actually kill people as well. I think so. Um, it was like paid snuff. Uh, I, I wasn't sure yeah. that, that was that was a bit ambiguous, but yeah. the way it panned out in the rest of the film seemed to be that yeah. 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 I remember burning people and said this is like Cambodia. That bit in particular was pretty silly because like uh, I think they're all not editing room watching yeah. this, and then like they watch that the road to hell thing. And then the woman who's like, I don't know, is she a representative, uh, representative of the company that wants to make mm. this documentary yeah. or whatever, says, oh yeah, like he, uh, he paid like actors or whatever to yeah. pretend to die. And then she goes, oh, I have to go. Like, and he doesn't know this before and then just can't ask her any questions and she doesn't tell him anything yeah. about like, yeah. the history. He's like, I want to know yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. just yeah. piss off. And actually, I mean, there's a, a little bit of a meta element going on there as well, like, because he's, uh, he's showing these... Um, <laughs> He's showing real deaths. He's showing f- real footage of real deaths, uh, but he's framing it as fake footage of real deaths. But he's also <laughs> making a film that shows fake deaths, but he's posing them as real deaths. And oh, there's so many layers. So, yeah. It's uh, truly as a post-modern, post-colonial film. It's uh, post-post-modern. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Mondo Cane, I watched a bit of it last night. I watched about um, 40 minutes of it, just the end of the night. And um, it's weird. Um, it just seems to just be uh, a kind of documentary that is um, ju- juxtaposing uh, kind of city, western white city life with kind of um, depictions of African or South American tribes. Um, and 
I think basically when they were making Mondo Cane, the guys who made Mondo Cane um, are called uh, Paolo Cavara, um, and that's all the kind of Italian names, Franco uh, Pos- Posperi, they, they were kind of the... Kind of Italian names. <laughs> kind of Italian names. I'm already being ethnocentric. <laughs> uh, so, um, Mario yeah, Spaghetti. <laughs> Maldini. <laughs> yeah, Paolo Maldini, Costa Curta. <laughs> uh, so they, uh, um, I think, yeah, uh, Deodato loved that film, but I think basically in the Mondo Cane film, um, that led to the, the genre that's called Mondo, and it's basically kind of um, documentaries which uh, were supposed to kind of show, you know, savage civilizations, you know, as, I, that's, those aren't my words, I'm not using using that to describe, you know, uh, tribes, but uh, that's that was the kind of, the, the, the mindset of the people. Um, and kind of show them as you know violent and primitive and savagery and all this kind of stuff and it's basically for the titillation of Western audiences and mm-hmm. perhaps to kind of re re um, reinforce their uh, notions that the West is kind of you know uh, more civilized place mm-hmm. uh, and but it, it, it's it, it's interesting watching watching Mondo Cane. there's a there's a scene in, in which um, I think it's Papua New Guinea when a tribe um, get a load of pigs and beat them to death with um, wooden poles and then um, fry them on, on, on uh, barbecues and uh, that's juxtaposed with um, and, and that's obviously kind of a bit like this scene where the in Cannibal Holocaust when the pig gets shot and then there's bits where it's kind of going through New York City and it's looking up at the skyline and kind of zooming around and that's actually mirrored as well in uh, Cannibal Holocaust at the start um, and the guy who did the music for um, Mondo Cane, um, Riz uh, Ortolani, I think his name is. Uh, it's the same guy, isn't it? It's the same guy who did the music for Cannibal Holocaust, and it was basically Deodata watched Mondo Cane, loved the music, and thought, I want that for my film. Mm-hmm. Um, so music it's. it's it, it is unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's used really well, yeah. It's, yeah. it's one of the kind of best horror film soundtracks I and mean, it's, it's the kind of thing that, that you could listen to and you know like your mum or your dad might like it <laughs> yeah yeah it's like in, yeah. in regards to the music as well though like it is it is really good but uh there's one point as well they're in the like editing suite again and he said oh yeah i just inserted some stock footage into this to make it sound more well he doesn't say to make it sound more sinister yeah. <laughs> but, but that's essentially the purpose yeah, of yeah, it. yeah, yeah. it's the bit that's going yeah i love also uh, the guy um <laughs> The the soldier at the beginning of the um is he like he's Brazilian speaking the guy who speaks Portuguese, um he's uh, playing a radio um and uh, when the anthropologist first turns up, and the the music of the radio is terrible it's like it's really bad it's like yeah. really it's, like like it's elevator music it's mu- it's proper music <laughs> it might might actually be genuine music, but it uh, is just really like really like anti-funky or something <laughs> anti-funk yeah or like post-funk or something it's, it's bizarre uh, yeah so like uh, I kind of want to pull it back a wee bit to what we were talking about in the first place like which brings back the reasons of like why the film was made in the first place um, like I think it was based on the director's sort of idea of media exploitation wasn't mm-hmm. it like yeah. so what he saw in the media at the time I think it was bit like based on that red brigade thing. Um, yeah, it was his son. I think was watching the news with him and told him, said, yeah. you know, uh, daddy, turn it off. It's too violent. Yeah, I like it. Was basically things they say in the media, and his sort of idea of it was that they're not actually reporting the news; they're reporting their version of the news, but they mm-hmm. want to get you know ratings out of it. And I don't know if he went this far, but I I don't know if 
they had many advertisements on those particular networks or anything. So it's the fact that you want to get as many people watching this as stuff uh, as as possible to sell stuff, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but that, that I think that was his sort of idea behind the whole thing. Yeah, it sort of feeds into that. Um, who was the the sociologist who published or philosopher who published that paper that said uh, you know the Iraq War isn't real? Um, it was Baudrillard. Baudrillard I was actually yeah. going to start talking about that yeah. as well. Um, but I don't think he, he well he didn't do it with this sort of sense of. The Gulf War definitely isn't. No, happening. no, exactly. But it's yeah, yeah it's that's it's the way it's presented. Yeah. Like yeah. that's yeah, that's not like I think his point was the Gulf War itself isn't a war, but the one on TV is presented as a war. Yeah. Whereas what's going on there is anything but a war as we know it in the traditional sense. So you've got like I had not know think of the the Great Wars as they're called, like the First World War, the yeah, Second yeah. World War. Yeah. This isn't a war. This is just Western ideals being sort of forced upon, mm-hmm. like. A, a, a different nation yeah which actually at around the same same time was what was happening to bosnia where there there was a genuine war and a genuine holocaust type thing going on mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and uh the media were saying this isn't a war yeah. this isn't a holocaust type thing this is um this is all, all blown up you know this yeah. is um this is fake you know okay. so it's um it's weird the, mm-hmm. the way the media can cut whatever way Whatever way a government seems most appropriate, you know. Yeah, well, I think it's also done with the intent in mind of getting as many ratings as possible. And you, you probably know this as well, Ian, like uh, working in the media, that most of it's done through stuff that's fed to you rather than, you know, you going out and finding out the news. Yeah. So the way it's reported is you get, like, ticker tapes through, well, yeah. not literal ticker the tapes. The Associated Press. Yeah, so AP yeah. would be the biggest one, I think, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, I'd say it would be. But you get it all through that rather than anybody actually finding out what could possibly be the truth like it's it's, it's yeah just, it's the notion of journalists getting into their desk and immediately going out with a dictaphone and finding out what the story is is yeah quite romantic when it, when it, but it's but it's not the case but yeah. a deadline is is looming you know it's yeah. you know, if, yeah. if you've got a story presented to you then that's yeah. the that's sort of like frighteningly as well like um just because i've been watching the world cup and it's been on itv like i, I wouldn't ever watch itv but the, the news came on straight after and i think they were reporting like this whole thing with isis in like afghanistan and uh, iraq um I think what the main story they had was children are now fighting for ISIS or whatever, yeah. and they had like uh, the shot of I think it was like a pickup truck, and they had two kids in the back with like machine guns. Mm. But that to me was this sort of exploited narrative of what's happening in that country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it was like for all we know, like those kids, thought, it could be true. It could be what they're saying is they are partaking in war or violence. But it could also be that they just happened to be there mm-hmm. yeah. and happened to you be need, people you need more that carry. That, yeah. that one <laughs> contextless shot, like, yeah. But that was the main thing they went with. And... Yeah, I mean, we kind of saw that with the video nasty hysteria. There was like things like there was actually there were actually kind of news reports that came out saying things like um, children could become possessed by the devil from watch, watching uh, video nasties. Uh, and just, you know, just ludicrous, ludicrous stuff like that that's obviously just, you know, because you, there are certain tabloid newspapers that do kind of do ghost stories and things like that. So it's yeah. not really beyond the stretch of the imagination it's to imagine. Astrology, yeah. yeah, if you've got some kind of right wing Christian Egypt who is writing for a tabloid and believes that the devil exists, then there's no reason why they wouldn't report. Absolutely. If you watch it, if, it, if your child watches a video nasty, you mm. know. The devil will possess them. That's like that kind of interests me as well. The fact that we're not allowed to view the stuff that they think happens in hell. 
Yeah, like, yeah, you know, there's, yeah. constant yeah. I deal with it. They sell the like kids as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, you'll get a red hot poker up the arse or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it kind of it, it all comes back to that idea that um, the journalists are kind of um, perhaps goading people on or paying people to act in a certain way. And I mean, that's what Deodato did when he was filming. You know, um, you're not you're not watching the tribesmen, the tribespeople acting as they actually are you're watching paid extras behaving yeah um, and that's kind of what was happening in the Mondo films and mm. I've got a decent clip kind of of Munro getting a bit pissed off um, towards the end of the film when they've kind of watched it um, he is in the boardroom and he's kind of t- discussing the film and he gets a bit pissed off because he feels that putting his name to this would be going against his kind of anthropological you know um, ethical stance um, so yeah, I think we should maybe have a listen to that just to remind us. Um, uh, you guys seem to have a bit of a beef with Monroe, but I I, I quite like him. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll listen to this. I'm not speaking as a scientist, but as a man in the street. This so-called documentary footage is offensive. It is dishonest, and above all, it is inhuman. Yes, yes, of course. We all know what Alan was like. He overdid it as usual. But what you saw is a rough cut. Perhaps I haven't made myself clear, but I, I refuse to have anything to do with this material. Look, Professor, we are talking about the most sensational documentary to come along in years. And you want us just to shelve it, to forget about it, as if it had never been found? Is that what you want? Yes. Yes. That is precisely what I want. I've seen the rest of the material. You haven't. You haven't seen the stuff that even your editors didn't have the stomach to put together. And if you had, you wouldn't hesitate but to agree with me. And, and I think, um, so yeah, see, I just listened to that. It's obviously Monroe getting pissed off. Um, but uh, Deodato obviously kind of, you know, had similar tactics. Um, but one of the ways, obviously, and one of the things the film is most famous for is the uh, animal cruelty. And what the, 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 problem with, the problem with that was that he's... Filming actually actual animals being killed. It's not. It's not faked. Um, this uh, the crew are actually killing um, real animals. Um, and but what but what that does is it kind of um, when you watch um, and, and particularly um, when it was released on video in the UK and it would have been you know kind of grainy and bad quality. Whenever you watch um, someone killing like a kudamundi or killing a, a a turtle or you know slicing a. a monkey's head off or something and then mere minutes later you're watching um felipe the the guide having his leg cut off or you see the the girl um who's the uh, adulteress who's been punished by being impaled on a spike what deodato is kind of doing is he is tricking you into believing and into kind of putting the two together so you've just seen an animal being killed and then you see an actor pretending to have his leg cut off in the hope that your brain will then think, oh my God, we're actually watching an actual person being killed here. Um, and I think that that's interesting because if Deodato's film is supposed to be a kind of um, criticism of modern journalistic techniques and the use of, and the kind of unethical practices in order to obtain certain footage, um, well then Deodato is kind of his, his, his biggest critic, his biggest own... He's he's, yeah, like his, he's, he's he's like his own biggest he's critic. Because, as much as he, yeah, yeah, because he is he is he is he is killing animals. He is he is um, committing uh, unethical acts in order yeah. to 
Um, but uh, the interesting thing with the animal cruelty, just, just to get this out of the way, is that um, when, when the BBFC fir first looked at it after the Video Recording Act had come in, I think it was 2001, VIPCO re resubmitted it for classification, and it was seen that um, the uh, Animal Cruelty Act um, that forbids um, showing kind of uh, animals being unnecessarily and cruelly killed. Um, so all, all of the uh, sequences were cut. And it was also, uh, the BBFC kind of had a duty because Cannibal Holocaust had been successfully prosecuted under the Obscene Publications Act. They then had to kind of, you know, um, step back because uh, they were dealing with essentially illegal and obscene material, uh, you know, officially obscene material. So in the, the first classification, it was all cut. But whenever they looked looked back at it um, a, a couple of years later, um, they kind of re-looked re re at it afresh and re-looked at the law. And what the law says is that you can't show animal cruelty. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't say that you can't show animal killing. So in the case of the turtle, its head is cut off immediately, so it's clean, quick kill. And in the case of the monkey, in the case of the snake, and in the case of the pig, they decided the, the animals are killed and they're dead instantly, there's no suffering. So that's not against the law. The only thing that was against the law was the, it's wrongly called a mask rat in the film, but it's a kudimundi and you can see the knife going into its neck and it's screaming and bleeding and eventually kind of bleeds out and dies. So that's why that's the only that's that's the only bit that's kept in because it shows cruelty. The other the other the other scenes show animal killing but supposedly not cruelty on you know, mm. according to UK law. Well, I did see that scene then because I thought it was just called the muskrat. Oh yeah. But I didn't know it was Makoda Monday thing. No, it is, yes, no, no, I did see that then. Yeah, that's oh, okay. the version I've seen. Yeah, that's pretty horrible. <laughs> it is pretty horrible. It's also it's actually so horrible. I I sort of guessed it was fake at first, and then it because it's so so like over the top, so grotesque. Mm. But it's unfortunately not fake. But uh, but I, I mean, how many people will be completely horrified horrified by what they've just seen in Cannibal Holocaust, and then go out and eat yeah. battery farm chicken? Well, that's well, that's, that's the point to make. Yeah, that's uh, first of all you. You have to ask: Is this? I mean, the, the food. All the animals killed were used as food. Um, the no, the oh, one of them was the bots. The monkey. Probably the tarantula may not have been, but uh, no. quite a lot of tribes do eat tarantula. Yeah, the, the turtle. But you're you're right. D the uh, two, uh, two monkeys were killed because yeah. they, they. Oh yeah, they, right. they killed two monkeys and spliced they, the footage together. I yeah. suspect more animals were killed because uh, there's a few scenes where they, you know killed humans and they put like guts. Which I suspect came from animals. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah. I, but I they could have just been bought, you know, and then... They could have been bought, but all the way out there, for some reason, I expect they probably just did kill yeah. Yeah. other things. Yeah. But again, I, I can't see them killing an animal, not filming it, and using yeah. and using the footage. You possibly. Know, if that's what he was but, into. Yeah. Um, but well, at that point anyway, of like animal cruelty, and then people going out to like McDonald's or whatever. Yeah. Um, like people do that all the time, though. I mean, like there's there's animal cruelty laws in the UK, and nobody blinks an eyelid when they talk into their big, massive burger that's come from a sort of factory farm. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't really care. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. the sort of point like I wanted to get into with it is, I think they're completely unnecessary. Those scenes, like I don't think they feed into the narrative or help it in any shape or form. Uh, like that point you were saying about how it maybe lulls you into that sense of thinking people have actually been killed mm -hmm. there's one scene well, I think it's towards the end of the film when you see the crew being killed finally you know they're picked off kind of one by one yeah. like in between those scenes there's no animals being killed you don't see any of that and that's more real to me and like there's a bit mm -hmm. where one of them gets decapitated and 
uh, castrated, etc. Um, but that's far more like violent to me, and, and that's far apart from the animal uh, cruelty scenes. Mm-hmm. They just don't help the narrative to me. No. They're just thrown in there um, for shock value. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah, I it get. Seems from like shock value. Um, I know. I yeah. I I, I can't decide if it um, if it is for shock value alone or not, but. Um, or if, as you say, yeah, it does, it does help maybe create help help create the illusion that um, it's uh, you know the people are actually being killed, but uh, also, I thought maybe it, it sort of also raised the question like are people any are people being treated any better than animals you know mm-hmm. people are killed animals are killed um, you see a lot of tribes people killed like massacred at the beginning by uh, by soldier, Brazilian soldiers or yeah. mercenaries that's brutal, isn't it? Um, so unnecessary yeah, yeah. What was the um, point? <laughs> to, to sort of narrow them down to one one tribesman that they could follow back that's uh, that was it you know yeah. they fodder you know like they're not even slaughtered like animals and use as food they're just slaughtered um, so is it is maybe the animal slaughter used to point out the cheapness of human life in the, in the Amazon or but if it is used for that does it really make that point strongly enough I don't know if it does no, you know. and I mean surely it would be easy enough to fake all that well yeah you know surely, yeah, surely it would yeah. be easy enough to, to fake killing and even if it's not particularly convincing if I mean, you can fake killing a human yeah. then you can fake killing an animal exactly yeah. and it would have the same effect and I mean is it really worth it you know oh god I mean apparently um Guy plays Monroe uh, Kirkman, or sorry, uh, Robert Kerman. Apparently, he <laughs> like uh, oh no, it was uh, the guy who plays um, Jack, the kind of you know the guy with the blonde hair and the beard, the blonde Harry Perkinen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was after the killing of the turtle. Yeah, that's he right. cried. Yeah, <laughs> well, your woman, uh, what do you call her? Uh, uh, Faye Daniels, the actress. Yeah, like she's sick in the film. Yeah, and well, I it looks genuine. Real. Like, yeah. I wonder, is that real? But uh, your man as well that you're saying that cried. Mm-hmm. There's, like when it cuts to him he looks incredibly disgusted he does yeah. yeah but he's also one of the main ones who does like he does it doesn't he or helps anyway he, I think so he's yeah. the, one of the ones who goes into the river and helps pull it out and yeah. but of, I think he cuts off a limb or something I think he does and then but, the guy is yeah. it, but does he the, not hold it up to the camera as well and like pretend to like start chomping on it or something I you know, the, think something he, yeah like he does that, anyway. you're right he does, he does. But, uh, but that that turtle scene was particularly horrible as well but like I'm pretty sure you can still see it moving and stuff and but I think though those are just kind of you know um, it could be yeah. it's not actually it's not still alive it's just the kind rigor, of rigor mortis yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. obviously or not rigor mortis but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's obviously what the B- shock. the BBFC decided because yeah. the, the same <laughs> with the um, the pig the pig kind of jitters a bit yeah but um, if the BBFC had thought that that in any way was an animal still alive suffering then yeah. it would have been cut so they've obviously yeah. decided no the animal's dead and it's Aye. like a chicken with its head cut off still yeah or still yeah. done or whatever dicks around yeah. for 20 minutes or whatever. Uh, yeah around. the animal well, I mean, we haven't really talked much about the the film team themselves um, there's uh, yeah. Alan Yates and is the kind of main guy uh, Faye Daniels is his girlfriend and then you've got uh, Jack Anders, who's played by Perry Perkinen, is the guy who uh, cried. And then um, Mark the Tomas- guy who cried. <laughs> Mark Tomaso is the guy who. Remember, Kerman walks up to his dad. Oh yeah. yeah and kind yeah. of says, "Can you say anything about your son?" And like, he just says, "My, my son was a like son of a bitch, and he's dead." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're like clearly a bunch of psychopaths. <laughs> I mean, they're. It's even whenever they yeah. start setting fire to that that village. Yeah. Just, like, or, yeah. It's, it's actually and. 
he says this is just like Cambodia and you get the impression yeah. that this is what they did in, in Cambodia and then it, it sort of raises a question like about uh, maybe a controversial question about the you know the killing fields in Cambodia did they, was it was it fake? obviously it wasn't yeah. fake there's no question that it was faked mm-hmm. by but you know it is a narrative suggesting that it was faked by uh, mm-hmm. Western media but yeah, I remember there was a the, the, that famous um, Kevin Carter uh, photograph of the vulture stalks a starving child. Do you remember that one? Yeah, it's like an African child. Oh, yeah. child yeah, 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 yeah. And she's and he is completely uh, decimated, just completely mm-hmm. not only rib cage is showing really starving, and there's a vulture waiting for him to die. And then he took the photo, obviously to highlight how horrendous famine is. But then he got loads of criticism because they're yeah. saying, well, why didn't you shoo the bird away? You know, yeah, yeah, why yeah. were you standing there taking a photo when this vulture was stalking a child? I suppose like in completely faked photos, it's not like, you know, well, maybe it was in a war situation. There was the whole, was it uh, News of the World? Where Piers Morgan lost his job. Why? Because I think it was um, depictions of, the, they put it on the front of the, or it was the mirror, sorry. I think they put depictions of soldiers, English soldiers, uh, torturing Iraqi like prisoners of war and oh, Abu Ghraib yeah. yeah well it wasn't Abu Ghraib this yeah. was like different because this was British soldiers um, right, but right. it was faked yeah yeah but he used it to sell papers essentially so yeah. it was uh, just fake pictures of torture <laughs> what a dick um, and that's how he lost his job there mm. and now he's the respected journalist we all know and love yeah yep. <laughs> that, that was the end of him well, I got a talk show on the States. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. He's the most famous man alive. <laughs> but the... Um, sorry, Paul, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I was, was going to go back to Bosnia again, but there's no, no real need. Like, I, I was just going to say the uh, crew, um, they are kind of bastards, and I think at the very end it's quite satisfying watching them being killed. Uh, because they've been such cunts, and they totally yeah, have oh, yeah. they totally they, have uh, it coming. They, they, they do have it coming. I mean, well, I, I, in as much as you can... Um, Say, a, a, you know, an execution or a death is justified. Yeah. I mean, look what they do to the 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 girl they find. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, they're, they're, they're terrible. They're, they're the worst. They are the worst people, and yeah. um, you could possibly ever you know, see in a horror movie. You know. Yeah. And there's a brilliant bit whenever they find the girl impaled on the spike, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Alan is watching it, and he's kind of got a smile on his face. And whoever's holding the camera goes, "Watch it, Alan. I'm recording." And then he suddenly goes, gets a serious face, yeah. and suddenly goes. Oh my god! I, I can't believe such can't understand the reason for such cruelty. Yeah, um, and that's obviously you know, his camera face pretending to be all cool. Um, it, it sort of reminded me of uh, in, a, in a very, very, very removed way from um, the Life Aquatic of Steve Zissou. Um, there's a uh, when Steve is on Bill Murray's on camera. He uh, he starts getting all serious, and then he goes back into Bill Murray, classic Bill Murray, <laughs> like grumpy fucker, like. Um, yeah, it reminded me of that a little bit, but uh, in a more horrific way. But I think I've read that that the girl they find on the spike is supposed to be it's the same girl that they've just raped. That's what I inferred from yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if it's that the tribes people saw her getting raped. And she's, yeah, she's, well, she's no longer a virgin, so yeah, she has to yeah. be. Or if, if they've done that. But well, you do see... Yeah. Uh, no, they seem genuinely surprised by it in their own footage, but you do see somebody, like a, you know, a tribe person, poking their head up that they don't seem to notice. Mm-hmm. In the footage, you know. So it is that so it's, it's, it's yeah, that you've I been raped. You're no longer yeah. a virgin. Therefore, well, he, we need to, yeah. don't they comment on one stage about how they take virginity very seriously? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. They, in that in that exact same scene, the know. almost profound respect yeah. these primitives have for virginity. I think yeah. the line. and even the use of primitives is so patronizing. Yeah, like, yeah. and he, uh, even Monroe says that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 
Well, he used savages as well constantly. Yeah, right? yeah. The whole um, thing. Um. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I will. The, the, I mean, we might as well talk about that scene with the girl on the spike. Um, it was done with uh, she. It was like a bicycle seat put on a big pool of wood, and then she sits on top of it, and then she has a, a smaller bit of wood in her mouth. So it looks like the wood is kind of going up her arse and out her mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was one of the reasons why uh, Deodata was kind of dragged in front of Italian courts after it premiered in Milan, because they were convinced that he had actually killed people. Not not helped by the fact that um, he had told the four actors to disappear and not appear in any films um, for a year. So they disappeared and it looks like they've actually been killed. And he was um, brought up on murder charges and he rang Mar- um, Luke Barbareschi who plays Mark Tommaso and said can you get everyone else to come into court because I'm facing murder charges <laughs> and the char- the murder charge was, was dropped but he was still um, prosecuted um, under a, a obscenity laws um, but yeah I think, I think he had to actually show photos of the woman sitting on the bicycle seat to show yeah. how it was done but to even when you see it though like it's clearly not like in line it's, it's not in line no no it wouldn't stand up in a well you would hope it wouldn't stand up in an actual court it did stand up in an actual court I know that's the that's mm-hmm. the mental thing and especially you know what what Italians were doing at that time and you know we have all, <laughs> like all Italian horror films were unbelievably gory and horrendous you know yeah but I suppose his I, I imagine it was his promotional technique of uh, having the actors disappear that sort of spurred, spurred yeah. all this, this yeah, I actually think I watched an interview an, an, an interview with Deodato and I think he said it was one of his crew one of his crew actually told the Italian press that Ruggiero Deodato was a disturbed individual who killed people <laughs> right. yeah. to make films yeah. so the Italian press I think picked up on this and they, they reported that he was an actual snuff movie maker crazy he did sound like a bit of a psycho as well, though. Like, uh, yeah. Because there's reports that he was really hard to work with. And, well, yeah. that, the, the whole animal cruelty thing, like people objected to that quite a lot, didn't they? Absolutely, yeah. And he now, um, he now regrets it and wishes he'd never done it. Yeah. Um, he kind of says it was because he grew up on a farm and he wasn't, it wasn't a big deal for him. But uh, apparently, Alan, um, Gabriel York, who plays Alan Yates, was originally supposed to shoot the pig but refused to do it. So it was Luke Barbareschi who plays Mark Tommaso is the one you see, person you see yeah. shooting the pig in the in the in the film. Okay. But um with that bit earlier you said about paid extras, like the actual trials people weren't paid. Yeah. yeah. But I think what was it? Oh, well like there was a bit like I think we'd already touched on it, like we they were being burned in the or well the hut was being burned that they were all in. Yeah. Um, apparently like they weren't happy about that because they were forced to stay in there for quite a long time oh. yeah. just so he could get like a good shot of you know this, yeah. well they're Jesus. obviously in a very yeah. unpleasant situation uh, and I think um, most of the animals were given to the tribes as, as food yeah. I think it was like the monkey brains Deodato wanted something else that looked like monkey brains but the tribesmen Said no, we want monkey brains because they're they were a delicatessen. Yeah. I thought it was that's like, what I actually. Heard. I thought it was like they wouldn't allow him to like mess around with monkey brains because they were so valuable to them. They were ah. such a delicacy. But mm. uh, but maybe maybe I got that wrong actually. Hmm. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> monkey brains. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the tribe the tribes themselves are. Um, I mean, they're yeah they're they're painted as they're they're supposedly painted as savages and then it it becomes quite uh, quite blurred. Obviously, the last line is "Who's the real cannibal here?" Which is, um, you know, mm. Riffin, who's the real savage here? Which I think is maybe from like Jonathan Swift. Is it? Is from like Gulliver's Travels? I don't know. Um, but uh, they are real tribes. Uh, they. Oh yeah, you did some. You did quite a bit of research on, on this, didn't you? Uh, oh, well, a little bit of research. Uh, 
the Yanomamo and the Shamatari are real tribes. Yukumo, I think, is uh, I think it might be a real tribe. They, I think, are a tribe who I think are not officially known as the Yukumo, but they self-reference as Yukumo, but oh. are known as something else. But they're um, they're based in Colombia. Yanomamo are uh, based in Venezuela and uh, Brazil and Shamatari are I think part of a sort of derivation of, uh, they speak share language with Yanomamo anyway hmm. but uh, Yanomamo are are endo cannibals they they do actually um, uh, yeah, they do practice kind of ritual cannibalism but um, they not in the same way that um, it's portrayed in, in the film they um, wait they, when, I think when somebody dies natural death or somebody dies they don't actually kill them but one of their tribes members dies they uh Leave them, leave them to um to decompose um quite far from the their their village, and then they bring their bones back and they burn their bones and they take the ash and they mush it into banana and then they, they eat it with banana. Mm. But I think they maybe do it on a, a day of uh like the one day a year of uh like remembrance of the dead. That's the only time they're allowed to speak of the dead. Um, and uh, they they then remember the dead and how they died and. And they eat their remains through. Um, There's a bit when Monroe and the expedition first encounter them, and they then kind of sit down and have dinner. And what they're given is really thick white yeah. stuff in a bowl. Right, it looks yeah. a bit like ready brick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's. I think it's is that what like that much is? plantain. I think that oh, okay, might be okay. some sort of plantain. Um, <clears throat> which is, uh, I think, something that Yanomamo um, do. I think most African tribes, or sorry, Amazonian tribes, do survive on is uh, plantain, but. Uh, yeah, um, they uh, actually the the only actual cannibalism you I think you really see from the animal in uh, in kind of a Holocaust is cannibalism of the already dead anyway because the they feed uh, Monroe and all like the organs of somebody who's already died after he's given after, them the tape recorder. Yeah, um, I don't think you actually see them eat. Do you see them eat the crew at the end? I can't remember. Um, you see them like you see them mutilate the crew. No, you, you, see, you see them killing them and yeah. the fag gets raped. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so yeah. They, they do act quite brutally, quite violently. Yeah, but I mean, with good reason, I think really. Well, I, yeah, I yeah, is, exactly, I, mean, yeah. I don't really think you can fault the tribe <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> no. those guys are just no. absolute bastards. Like yeah. what they've done, I mean, it's just rise um, above. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was going to say, like that thing uh, that what we think might be the crushed plantain or whatever. That's another reason why Monroe's a shit anthropologist. <laughs> Just because he's grimacing, like, going, and yeah, then looking yeah. at the other guy going, Ugh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, why? Like, because it made me think of Indiana Jones, actually. Yeah. Um, Eat! Yeah, the second one. Yeah. Um, Temple of Doom, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because he... Yeah. <laughs> Because he's eating, I think it's like some black paste at the start, isn't it? And it's like yeah. a banana leaf. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Willie's. Like, they've given us this food, you can like at least eat it. So, But yeah, that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you think it had an influence upon Indiana Jones? Cannibal Holocausts? Uh, it'd be sort of nice to think it did it'd be nice to think it did <laughs> yeah. and you do kind of think of it as like a kind of gritty film that maybe not many other people watched but I like the the kind of um, the Sergio Leone quote did you guys I saw yeah, that. yeah yeah so after it premiered in Milan uh, Sergio Leone wrote a letter to Rosario Diodato and it said dear Rosario what a movie 
The second part is a masterpiece of cinematographic realism, but everything seems so real that I think you will get in trouble with all the world. (laughs) (laughs) He was right. (laughs) So he's one of the best filmmakers ever as well. Leone? Yeah, well, I think so anyway, cinematography-wise. I know, and it is one of those things you kind of think, God, if, you know, Sergio Leone liked Cannibal Holocaust maybe we're not absolute weirdos for finding yeah, merits yeah. in it um, but I mean I, I, I would actually kind of quite like to uh, uh, listen to a clip that I recorded of Faye um, because we were talking about uh, kind of waiting for the bodies to decompose and it's kind of um, quite a relevant clip it's basically she they discover the, the old woman who's kind of gone away from, from the rest of the tribe to die beside a river oh yeah that's right yeah yeah um, so we'll crack open a few beers and uh, yeah. we'll listen to Faye giving her um, ethnocentric uh, <laughs> ethnocentric commentary on on the tribe. Cool, wonderful. We have succeeded in establishing, shall we say, diplomatic relations with the Yakumas, but what are we for them? These are people who have never seen a white man before or heard the sound of a gun. We know they are really afraid of our powers, but for how long? And can we really be sure that they don't hate us like most people hate what they don't (gasps) 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 When the old members of the tribe feel death approach, they wander off to a secluded spot. After she dies, this old woman... This old woman will probably end up as lunch for some alligator. In the jungle... (gasps) Nothing goes to waste. Nature recycles everything. So the thing you notice with that is the difference between what you actually see on screen um, and what the crew um, are portraying themselves as. So obviously they were intending to come back and edit the whole footage. Um, but because we're watching the unedited version, you see them basically treating the uh, indigenous people like shit. And then um, whenever they know they're on camera, they are the kind of, you know nice, kind, uh, understanding people, um, which is obviously the point of the film. You know, what, what goes behind, what, what, what happens when the, when the, when the uh, cameras are off. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I think, I think that is a, um, that's obviously the, the, the point of the film that, that, um, you can't trust the media, um, you can't can't trust what you see on TV. Uh, that cultures who cultures that can't um, represent themselves can easily be misrepresented. And, yeah, uh, that's that's it's a very good point and it is a good ethical um, uh, reason behind it. Um, and I wonder though, does the the actual misrepresentation of of the cultures and does the actual exploitation of the cultures that we've sort of discussed does that then detract, detract from, from the actual ethical value of it at all? I don't know. Uh, I think so. I think it's kind of hypocritical to make a film criticising the uh, actions of unethical journalists when, through making your film, you unnecessarily kill six animals. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of gathered that from it. But I suppose it's one of those things as well, at least it raises the awareness or the argument yeah. of it. Uh, my, but, like, I mean... Like by the time, like by the time um, um, Umberto Lenzi does it in Cannibal Ferox, um, it's it's a bit knackered, you know that the the, the um, idea. And yeah. Is 
I mean, it, is it already knackered by the time Deodato does Cannibal Holocaust? You know, 1980 is is the the question, who are the real savages? Is that really anything particularly original? Well, but, is there other examples of it in popular media, like before that? It's like, I, I wouldn't know myself. Well, I mean, I suppose, you know, postmodernism has existed for... 60 or 70 years but that's more that's talking about like sort of intellectual circles like I don't think that's yeah, but postmodernism sort of includes post, post-colonialism I think because modernism I mean modernism is the fall of Victorianism it's the fall of colonialism yeah but the, the point I'm trying to make is that's within intellectual circles like university circles and things like oh, that yeah, rather yeah. than something that's become pop, like this is popular media it's a film yeah. mm-hmm. it's, it's you know people go see this it's on the home video market at the time it's, mm-hmm. it's for everybody it's not for people who just attend university lectures and mm-hmm. you know yeah. that kind of thing and what could be more 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 postmodern than the fine footage genre yeah. you know it's 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 the symbol of kind of postmodern horror really isn't it I mean it's... Yeah. but um, I suppose like uh, postmodernism is just it's just another vehicle for um, yeah for this eth- ethical question you know is it mm-hmm. Is it worth worth uh, was it worth asking this question? Was it worth posing this question? Mm-hmm. Um, in a in this particular cinematic form. Um, and does Deodata's film give us any answers? Yeah, does it? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I to be honest, I think it does, but I think it um, it raises another number of ethical questions as well, yeah. and I don't know what that comes to on balance. But uh, it uh, it's it is a good film. It's an enjoyable film. It's a well made film, um, and it's. It's also quite good fun. Um, I know it's it sounds weird to say it. It does sound weird to say it, but um, when you remember that it is just a film, it does it is kind of good fun. But Only there are there are elements of it that aren't just a film, um, especially with the animals. So yeah. that the the fun is is sort of uh, sort of tempered by, by serious serious questions. I think it's all about kind of um, context as well, because I mean, like if you were. Like if you were to show *Cannibal Holocaust* to your mum, or you know uh, a ten-year-old child, you know it would be utterly, utterly horrendous, and it would give them nightmares and probably, possibly disturb them. I'm not saying mum because you know that's like assuming all mums are kind of, but uh, um, and I kind of find myself watching after watching *Cannibal Holocaust*, like uh, particularly. because of the soundtrack and because of the um, uh, because of the message of the film, I kind of find myself quite melancholic and philosophical, and um, you know, I found that I had really, really enjoyed it as a film, despite all the horrendous violence. And I think it 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 possibly is to do with what you know, watching so many horror films and being quite desensitized to it. But you know, in 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 a way, it kind of is. It's actually quite a beautiful film. <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, I, was, like, I was kind of thinking, can we go back to the sort of comment on it being like postmodern in the sense that it's yeah. found footage yeah. and things like that? Like, I think that's something like maybe is a bit of an excuse for how it's made at times. And like the the, the fact that he's... Like, I don't know, does Daddy ever say that he was an innovator in that sense or try and take credit for it or anything about no, the No, not at all. Thing? Um, because I was wondering about that, like. Um, well, actually, cause... sorry, there is one anecdote where 
he expressed frustration at how much credit everyone gave the Blair Witch Project for being an innovator and he's annoyed because he did it first so yeah. yes you're right uh, that, that but, there is but there needs to be context for it to be found footage and for it to be like quite you know the camera works quite shaky and stuff because at the time that was released um, I'm going to guess that not everybody had access to camcorders in fact they probably didn't really exist back then mm-hmm. you know on the home market kind of thing yeah. mm-hmm. and I think that's the context for found footage films these days because oh. everybody has a mobile phone mm-hmm. so yeah. everybody can identify with really shit camera work and it being kind of real and I think there's a context for it whereas then there maybe wasn't but like I don't know if documentary films were as prevalent as they are like today back then yeah. well I mean there was the um the Mondo film craze. I mean, Mondo Cane was in kind of in the sixties. Was that yeah. big though? Like, was it? I think it was big in Italy. Yeah, yeah I think it was. And but, um, there was um, another video, nasty uh, faces of death, mm. which um, was supposed to kind of show clips of you know real life violence. I've, I've heard of faces, but of death. parts yeah. parts of it were subsequently discovered to have been faked. I think the, the documentary in in Cannibal Holocaust. Um, the Last Road to Hell. Uses some of the Last Road to Hell uses some of the clips yeah. that were used in uh, Faces of Death. Mm. Um, but yeah, that is a really good point because uh, we kind of watch, uh, you might watch something like Blair Witch Project or Grave Encounters or something like that now and everyone knows what it's like to film your mates in the pub hammered because everyone <laughs> has, now has like an HD 1080 camera you know, in yeah. their pocket. Yeah. Um, whereas back then, not everyone knew what it was like to pick up a camera and yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. The, actually, Last Road to Hell in itself, we've talked about it already, but it is, quite, it is pretty disturbing to mm-hmm. use actual execution footage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I've seen it done loads of times. Um, Executions? Yeah, uh, no, no, I've seen I've seen people use actual execution footage. So yes, I suppose I have seen executions. Yeah. Um, before which um, is it sort of sneaked in there as well? You know, you, you don't go to the cinema expecting to see an actual real yeah. execution. You know, yeah. is that is there a a problem in that as well? You know, like you you're being subjected to something that you haven't really bargained for when you've. I think the only problem with that is that I wasn't as disturbed as I would have expected myself to be. You know, yeah. actually quite calm watching real people being gunned down. Yeah. Um, in the Blair Witch Project, well. the main character says, you know, they kind of say, you know, why, why do you, why are you continuing to film? And he says because it makes it somehow not real. And yeah. if, if you were to watch a real person being executed by firing squad it would be completely um, horrendous but somehow the medium of TV and cinema yeah, it does, it does, it distances yeah. it and it yeah, kind of oh, makes yeah. it not real somehow so you as you remove your, your brain's telling you that you're watching a real person being executed but your heart doesn't articulate that into yeah. the emotion that you might expect yourself to have I, I remember seeing Nine Inch Nails live and uh, they projected first I think it was First World War execution footage Um behind behind yeah, behind the stage at one, one point and it, it it disturbed me a lot more than I thought it would you know mm. but because um, it, yeah, it did seem so real and I assume it was real but, mm. sorry do what you I was just going to say it comes back to the Baudrillard point about like things you see on TV or like well he yeah. describes them as the hyper reality version of what like reality may be like you you take that as the new reality like and you confuse that you confuse the two constantly and it just doesn't seem real anymore, so you do get quite desensitized to a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. And I think like media helps do that. I mean, I've seen hor- like horrible stuff on the internet, like just because it's so accessible now. Like uh, even animal cruelty and things like that, you kind of 
like taking for granted um i think uh i think we've talked quite a lot about kind of holocaust i think we've talked quite a lot about video nasty uh idea in general and i yeah i i don't know i don't think there's much more we can say about it without um listeners actually just going and watching it and their, own, <laughs> their own decisions and maybe maybe tweeting us uh, with their own opinions uh, hashtag uh, WSD podcast hashtag WSD podcast nobody's tweeted us yet so. no, no one goes a shit <laughs> there you go tweet so um, we got a like I think on Facebook hey. did, did we get a like? I got a like good yeah good 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 Progress. <laughs> Facebook are, are, uh, are uh, sort of putting the, the stranglehold on your, your post or post, post uh, pages now, you know. They're, yeah. They're only only like, like 25 people see them at a time or something. <sighs> Depending on how many likes you've got. But, um, well, what do you think of kind of a Holocaust altogether? Um, I really enjoyed watching it this time. Um, I came away from it thinking... Um, before we'd kind of, uh, but like, before I'd watched it, uh, I'd never seen the uncut version, and I um, this week, uh, the past week, uh, I I did actually put off watching it because it was like one day I came home from work and I'm supposed to watch it and I just thought, you know what, I am not in the mood to watch really downbeat, grisly, horrendous Italian gory horror. Um, and then the next night I was like, right, I have to watch it, I have to watch it. And I sat down and really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, particularly the soundtrack um, is just unbelievably uh, kind of uh, emotional. And um, it's shot really, really well. It, it's, it is beautiful, like a beautifully made film. And even, even the kind of gore bits didn't really um, trouble me too much. And I think it adds to the overall aesthetic of the film. And I mean, ethics aside, I didn't actually mind the uh, animal cruelty. Um, Obviously, if I take that completely completely disinterestedly, I'm opposed to the animal cruelty. But if you kind of say, right, uh, I'm going to draw a line because that act has already happened. There's nothing I can do about it. It's a cop-out. But if I do say that and just watch the film, um, I think uh, it doesn't really bother me too much. <laughs> Particularly when I, you know, when I know that you know, I've eaten you know, farmed fish and I've eaten battery farmed chicken and they've eaten veal and they've eaten foie gras so you know who am I to kind of go oh, tisk tisk animal cruelty um, and I think it's a brilliant film and I think it does have a good good message and it's not often that um, exploitation films um, do have a kind of decent uh, set message um, particularly a message which says uh, which you know which is critical of um, the western media machine um, so I think uh, out of seventeen, uh, I would give it. Um, I would give it a solid fifteen out of seventeen. Uh, I think it's. A, I think it's a really, really, really good film, and um, there were lots of um, cannibal film, uh, cannibal uh, films made by Spanish and Italian directors looking to kind of cash in on de the de success Deodato had had with Last Cannibal World, um, um, and I don't think any of them really managed to. Um, be as good uh, or as kind of interesting as Cannibal Holocaust. And I have to say that my overall feeling upon leaving the film was melancholy and sadness and profundity, not repulsion or revulsion or a sense that um, my uh, my senses had been kind of corrupted. Um, 
Uh, I think it's a brilliant film. I think it's a really, really, really um, phenomenally made film, uh, beautifully shot, and uh, uh, yeah, I would I would encourage anyone who hasn't seen it to um, to give it a chance. Do you? What do you reckon? Um, yeah, I would I would have the same opinion certainly about how the film's made. Um, it is a very well made film. Uh, considering I hadn't seen it before. Uh, like yeah, I was expecting another sort of. I think I said this about Terrorist Trap as well, that I wasn't expecting to enjoy it. But I, I enjoyed this more than Terrorist Trap. It's, it's a far. Well, it's it's a better film than Terrorist Trap. Like I think you get drawn into it a lot more. Um, I don't know. It's not that you care about the characters, but you certainly care about the outcome of the story and like, you know mm. what what happens to everybody involved. Uh, like. But the but that that sounds slightly contradictory then that you kind of do care about the characters at the same time but you sort of you don't care for them in the sense that you hate them, but you, you care about you know what happens to them like as the story continues. Mm-hmm. Like, but um yeah but what you were saying about the animal cruelty scenes I think that did kind of affect me and obviously it's one of those things you watch it and you can't do anything about it because it's happened in the past sort of thing but it still had a very. Uh, like it's, it has a visceral impact upon you like when you watch it and you kind of you can't help but feel revulsion towards it and think that was unnecessary well, that's what I thought towards it anyway and I've said this before I don't think it added to the film I don't think it was needed and I think that's what the director said these days as well um, but apart from that it is very well made it, there's a point to it it's maybe slightly hypocritical but the point remains nonetheless um, it makes you talk about the, the points that it raises such as media intervention media betray, uh, betrayal of things um, but overall very good film out of 17 um, <laughs> what did I give Terrorist Trap it, uh, I think you maybe give it 11 or something I think you might have given it a 10 and a half 10 and a half oh. <laughs> I'll go for I'll go for 14 14 out of 17 <laughs> yeah because it was very good yeah. it was like it was very good film so yeah cool. watch it if you haven't well um <clears throat> I agree as well. Yeah, I I, th- I think it was a, a very good film. It uh, it. Yeah, it, it explores uh, quite quite literally. It explores um, interesting territory, and uh, it um, it does have an element of uh, anthropology to it, which although maybe misguided is uh, I think is quite fascinating in itself. I've always been kind of fascinated by the Amazon anyway, and uh, I've always. I've read quite a few books in the Amazon, Amazonian tribes and the Amazon itself and uh, watched quite a few films set or filmed around the Amazon but uh, I think uh, Cannibal Holocaust surprised me on second viewing because I'd seen it 10 years yeah but 10 years ago and it it stuck with, stuck with me as being very brutal and very uh, disturbing and something I swore I'd never watch again and uh, when Ian suggested it last time I thought oh, I think I literally said oh fuck you did <laughs> that's, uh, uh, that's not something I want to watch again but actually I was really pleasantly surprised I, like Ian I, I was putting it off all week and uh, uh, came home from work late one night and uh, realised I had to watch it it was the last minute thing and uh, I really enjoyed it really uh even as, as you know, outside the horror genre, it, it's a very good film. It's you know, a very well made film. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's something I I would thoroughly recommend to anybody that is interested in uh, horror or or the idea of uh, tribalism. Or, yeah. uh, it's 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 not an anthropology 
pathological classic, but it's mm. uh, it does uh, it does raise a few questions, you know. It's classic Italian exploitation. Um, it is exploitation um, too. Yeah, it's it's, it's very explo- exploitative, but um, uh, from a philosophical point of view as well, it obviously raises quite a lot of questions as well. We've uh, which we've discussed tonight and more that we haven't even touched on, but um, I uh, yeah. Oxford of seventeen. Oxford of seventeen. I would. I would probably give it a good fourteen as well. Yeah, fourteen. Mm. <laughs> uh, Paul, um, do you remember this scene of real life animal cruelty in Friday the Thirteenth? Friday the Thirteenth. I don't think I do. No. Um, kind of in the very early stages, one of the um, girls discovers a snake. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Is that of, real? Yeah, that's real. Yeah. Um, and there's a scene in Jess Franco's Bloody Moon, which was cut by the BBFC because they kill a snake. Um, and I just wonder, are um, there real life animal cruelty scenes in Apocalypse Now? Yeah, was it, is it a pig? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, and there, I think there might be actual animal cruelty in Alejandro Hudorovsky's El Topo. Oh, El Topo. I haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, in the uh, BBFC deliberations, they kind of say the reason they decided to not cut the, you know, the turtle death and things is because, because of the way it had been treated in Apocalypse Now, um, it's not fair to kind of say Apocalypse Now is Marlon Brando and it's Pandor, it's award winning, so therefore yeah. animal cruelty is okay. Cannibal Holocaust is an unknown indie schlock fest, so animal cruelty isn't okay. So, yeah. uh, from that perspective, Paul. Um, does does it make you think any less of Friday the Thirteenth, knowing that it had animal cruelty in the, in the same fashion as Cannibal Holocaust? My uh, my appreciation appreciation of Friday the Thirteenth is is maybe kind of different. I don't really appreciate it as a brilliant film. It's uh, I think I do maybe appreciate it as a, a schlockfest. Um, <laughs> but um, see, I, I don't know. My I, I suppose. I don't know if you termed it as you know an ethics uh, kind of the holocaust killed a lot of animals but it used all the animals as food gave all the animals to uh, to the tribes people who genuinely did eat these animals in mm-hmm. day to day life uh, I can't imagine anybody at the snake in uh, no. in Friday the 13th so I, I assume it was just disposed of you know killed pointlessly mm-hmm. but uh I don't know how much it disturbs me. Uh, it should disturb me. It, it does disturb me a, a little. I suppose I don't. I would hate to think of anybody killing something sentient as you know for pleasure. But I don't know. I do kill spiders and flies quite a lot. So mm. what's the difference? I know. That's just an there, is, point. there is a difference, I suppose. But uh, it's just an interesting point because I know you and I are really big fans of Friday Thirteenth. So yeah, thought, I do uh, love Friday Thirteenth as a Friday um, fan to a Friday fan. How, yeah. How do you feel about the animal cruelty in Friday Thirteenth? It. Yeah. I still love Friday Thirteenth. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One day we will, we will yeah. get around to doing Friday Thirteenth. For some reason. <laughs> yeah. For some reason I. Well, yeah. Cause I, I, I I would care about snakes more than like than spiders. I know there's a tarantula killed in Cannibal Holocaust, which probably wasn't eaten. It might have been eaten because I know Amazonian tribes. Some Amazonian tribes eat right. tarantulas, but uh, I, I don't think it was eaten. But, Not sure. Um, that would bother me less than mm. a, a snake for some reason. But um. the thing is, like in Cannibal Holocaust, whenever, like whenever they they kill the the Kodamundi or whenever they kill the uh, turtle, you get a good long period of of effect of of seeing that happen. Yeah. But in Friday the Thirteenth, it's a very quick yeah. cut. It's lying in this the snakes in two on the ground, 
and then it cuts away and you see him hacking it again, but you don't you don't yeah, see yeah. the body being hacked. So they've kind of in Friday the Thirteenth they've kind of killed an animal, but not really taken advantage of the fact that they have killed a real life animal in, yeah, from yeah. a completely this is, sounds horrible, but a completely disinterested kind of from a cinemat- cinematographic point of view. Whereas in Cannibal Holocaust, yes, he kills the animals, but he really makes use of the footage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that uh, that does seem like it should be more, you know? So in in front of thirteen, yeah. morally apt. But yeah, like, you wouldn't know, know, like, yeah. in front of thirteen. Like you wouldn't know either way. So why not use a fake snake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. It must be like a massive deal as well because like I haven't worked in a cinema. Like I've I've seen endless amounts of credits now, and I'm pretty sure on every single uh, credit reel. Uh, even if animals haven't been used, it yeah. always says no animals were harmed. Yeah, but I don't know if that's just a thing they put in there anyway. No, well, I know no there was like a recent. Um, I can't remember. I'm not gonna remember, remember the guy's name. He's like a fat guy, but he's lost loads of weight now, and he's in American. He was in Superbad. Yeah, and he is in. He was recently in a film, where which was a sequel. To a film where he's with another jock guy and they become cops. Something twenty. Yeah, twenty two Jump Street. Yeah, so there was a sequel to that, yeah. and apparently there's no, twenty one Jump Street, and then twenty two Jump Street was a sequel. Okay, yeah. and the, apparently there's a scene where the character eats a goldfish. Right. And when they were filming it, they used a real goldfish. Yeah. But because of animal rights and insurance and things, and just in case anyone's listening and wondering, I completely agree with this. But um, the goldfish had like two body cards apparently, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, the, the two bodyguards to bring the, the fish in. <laughs> and um, apparently he was only allowed to keep it in its in his mouth for a certain amount of time and all these kind of animal protection laws. And, yeah. Um, so could could you even do that nowadays? I don't, I don't think know. so. Could you, I, I don't know. Could you even, even like Friday the 13th, which is was quite a actually, main, mainstream production? Actually, there is a... I remember seeing... I think there is a genuine... Uh, like... A genuine sort of... Th- thread of the porn industry that's dedicated to people eating goldfish and stuff <laughs> seriously I what it's called um, but I think it's genuine seriously fetish yeah yeah um, people eating goldfish and I think I think it's legal but I think there's some sort of law that prevents uh, you killing killing an, a land a land vertebrate animal or something like that. an animal with a spine or something so it's alright to kill a spider or or something like or a fish but not alright to kill I don't know a monkey it's mental yeah I, I, I know that in the in, in the US animals that are bred for food don't have the same rights as animals that aren't bred for food so you, if an animal's bred for food you can treat it like shit and it's right. not oh really it's yeah. not that that's pretty terrible yeah but if an animal isn't bred for food that appears to yeah. be the case, though, in pretty much every country in the world. Yeah. Uh, the same. Uh, in fact, the uh, Mondo Cane um, film uh, shows uh, a Chinese restaurant where they're eating dog meat. Yeah. And again, you don't know whether or not this is just, they're just filming people eating beef and they're telling the audience that it's dogs, where there's like pictures of like skinned dogs sitting in big buckets of water and all this kind of stuff yeah. I've seen pretty horrible footage of, of uh, dog farms before like, yeah you know, where, where it's just like you know chicken wire like a chicken wire coop mm-hmm. filled with like 20 dogs who can't move you know mm-hmm. in, in Vietnam but that comes back to the same question doesn't it you know 
what's why do we think it's wrong to kill to eat a dog yeah. or a cat, but it's yeah. okay to eat a pig and a cow? But like weirdly, out of all the places I've seen this, do you remember Newsround, um, <laughs> children's uh, news show? Yeah, um, course, they did a report yeah. on. I, I'm pretty sure I haven't made this up. Um, uh, like I remember it being like they did a report. I think it was in China about dogs being eaten. Um, but like the, it's been weirdly quite sort of philosophical as well. This report as well, like just why they've stopped eating dogs. It's because of Western influence, right? And so the. Uh, because we see it as scandalous or whatever, yeah. that's had a major influence because of the media that they absorb. Yeah, uh, because, they, they, because they watch American films yeah, and so, listen to American yeah. music. They don't do it anymore uh, yeah. to, to a degree. Like, you know, right. Hmm. Well, maybe, sure, maybe we'll have a separate um, podcast on animal cruelty and films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'll be good fun. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's about that time that... Um, think we kind of say is there anything else anyone wants to say about well i think uh i think holocausto cannibale apparently at a birmingham comic fair in 1993 the film was seized was it yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> birmingham <laughs> um no i'm, I'm done yeah yeah. What about uh... Uh, in a two thousand and five interview? Apparently, Carl Gabriel York, who plays Alan Yates, said that when he was rehearsing the sex scene with Francesca Chiardi, the girl who plays Faye, Daniel, Faye Daniels, um, suggested that they go out in the middle of the jungle and actually have sex to right. make it not. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone, some said that wasn't it? What? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, he was the one that supposedly interviewed him, and he what? relayed this oh, information. Okay. Yeah. Because he's on the. DVD commentary or something. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, uh, it's, my notes say uh, York said no because he had a girlfriend back in New York. But then in two thousand and nine, Francesca Chiardi, who plays Faye Daniels, said that the sex scenes weren't simulated and that she and New York were lovers off screen. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah I read that as well. But yeah, there you go. I think that's the end of my tidbits. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> all out of trivia and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's just really stuff. Yeah, we're kind of holocausted out. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so it's just up to D really to kind of say D. What are we? What are we? What are we watching for next time? Uh, oh, I don't know. I had two ideas in my head. Um, I was thinking maybe pulling away from horror and going for a cult type film, or maybe staying with horror. Um, okay. Either way, I'll, I'll pick one of these at some stage. So I was thinking either the devils. You know the Ken Russell, film? Yeah, yeah, or pick an enemy mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, both good. God, okay. Yeah, I might just because we've done two horror films in the trot, maybe just go with enemy mind. Yeah. I know, but if you pick uh, the devils, we can compare it to Jess Franco's demons. We can, but we can also do that again. I'll, I'll pick that <laughs> yeah. again at some point. Okay. And uh, actually, have you ever read the novel The Devils Are Good? No, I'll, I'll talk to you. Oh, we're gonna have to read a fucking book. <laughs> you're gonna do the devils, yeah. <laughs> Okay, enemy mind then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no reading. Okay, I'll go with enemy mind. Cool. Yeah. 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 Well, enemy mind. Okay. Um. Wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I suppose uh, enemy mind is also kind of dealing with um, uh, false preconceptions of the other. Yeah, it is. In the same manner as cannibal holocaust. Okay, we'll do the devils. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, no, like we're, yeah, like we're going for, going for enemy mine, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, cool. 
Nice oh, time. have you seen Enemy Mine? I have, yeah. I Actually, I had this conversation with Dee uh, quite recently, and uh, I thought I hadn't, and then as soon as he started talking about it, I realised, yeah, no, I have. Of course I have. It's, it's a brilliant film. It's, yeah. Unbelievably good film. Um, and It's based on... I'm trying to remember I what film it was based on. This, uh, um, see, I can't remember the name of it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it during yeah. the actual podcast. Uh, yeah. It's a really famous film. Uh, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, um, Home Alone. Home Alone. <laughs> That's it. Home Alone Two. It's lost in New York. <laughs> uh, yeah, God. So uh, I, I, I don't own Enemy Mine, so I'm not to buy that. Uh, nice one. Cool. Uh, great. Um, so yeah, that was uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Um, yeah. What a film. Uh, what, what a director. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, just time to say kind of. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. If uh, if indeed anyone is, um, so yeah, uh, Paul, say goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, bye. bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we're away to uh, munch down on some uh, monkeys' brains, which I believe, Paul, you you've got some monkeys' brains. For I us did. Yeah, they were frozen, unfortunately, but uh, they should still have them. Iceland. Yeah, keep yeah. some of their consistency. Yeah, Iceland. Yeah. <laughs> They're breaded. Breaded, <laughs> breaded monkey bread. And, breaded uh, monkey brain goujons. <laughs> Probably some, mostly some MSG. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have a feast. Nice, yeah, and we've still got some of these beers left. So, uh, yeah, we're away to watch uh, Cannibal Holocaust again and revel in its uh, deliciousness. Um, so, yeah, see you next time. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Don't